Thanksgiving has come and gone, and with it, well, you all eat so much food, and we're probably feeling indigestion right now. Welcome, listeners, to Podcast of One Day. Some call it the cure for indigestion. Hello, everyone. I wish I could have the cure for indigestion. Right now, my asshole hates me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that makes sense in whatever context it's coming out of. Yeah, let's go with that. <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> so yeah, here we are. It is uh, after Thanksgiving, as far as you know, anyway. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed that almost nine-hour supercut of all of our past Disco Tech Day segments that I put up. Yeah, you're a fucking psycho for doing that, by the way. I applaud you for doing that, but you're a psycho. Yes, I... It, 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 the thing about me is that whenever I have an idea in my head that sounds stupid, I just do it. Mm, I can definitely relate. That's, that's fair. I just assumed it was going to be like a best of of like the so and so episodes, but it's like, oh, I did all of the Discotech Day stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not that much work, just having to, you know, slice everything together. And uh, you'll notice. As we go through the years, we've gotten a lot better with our awkward pausing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how much of that has aged like wine or aged like milk. Probably water. Uh, probably 50-50. That sounds about right. Yeah, just, just giving people some incentives on what to buy over uh, the holiday weekend. But, uh, While also saying, hey, this cool show I've literally never heard of until now sounds pretty neat. And they put way more work into that than any human being ever should. <laughs> what will the next 10 Discotech Days offer us? We have no idea. It'll probably pro- probably be uh, cool, though. Probably. <sighs> yeah. Um, if we sound a little sluggish and tired, uh, two reasons. Number one, Thanksgiving. And number two, we're kind of just limping our way to the end of the year in various ways. I'm so fucking sick of 2023, dudes. Oh my god. I'm so fucking goddamn. We're almost there. We're almost there. We have like five weeks left. It literally cannot come soon enough. I'm so sick and tired of 2023. This isn't even about media related bullshit. Some of it is, but like. To say things in my personal life have been very uh, shitty is kind of an understatement. It's been a fucking train wreck of a year in a lot of ways for me and people I'm very close to. So, just I'm so fucking sick and tired of everything with this year, and I want it to be over now. Yeah. We're getting there, and then when the new year starts, we could probably just... Uh smash a bottle of champagne against the wall to christen it properly. Would be nice. Just fucking pour yeah. that shit into my eye holes. I'm tired of seeing this year. For various reasons, some of which we'll get to here, because we have other, thing, other things to talk about, like uh, Anime NYC. That happened. Yeah, it did. And we have somebody who actually was here to talk about it. Yeah, better to be there in New York City, uh, for that instead of for uh, all the parade traffic. See, like, tra- parade seems like one of those, I'll give it a try one of these years. Maybe next year, depending how things go, we'll see. Yeah. Just gotta hope the weather is uh, cooperative, because you don't want, like, rain or 
frigid cold temperatures or um, winds like it was in 1997. Isn't that the one where Sonic the Hedgehog got destroyed? No, no, no. That was the year Barney died. Okay, I feel like I remember there was like a year where like a Sonic blimp got poked and died. Well, that was Barney too, and uh, good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... uh. Anyway, uh, we're not going to talk about the parade because it already happened, and we uh, we ha ha at the mispronunciation pronunciations that totally happened because uh, it's inevitable. Yes, it it is always inevitable. Al Roker and the rest of the NBC crew will always screw up a couple names. It just it just happens. It always happens. Like like I'm not even angry about it. And if you're actually angry about it, then you don't know the fun it is for Al Roker to pronounce things wrong. It's 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 genuinely endearing. It's part of the tradition, along with football and food and, I, I would say movies, but there's only, like, one Thanksgiving movie I can think about off the top of my head. I also offer condolences to everybody's uncomfortable political topic at the family table is going to be Gaza, Gaza, Israel, and Palestine. Have uh, fun. Try not to shit your guts out. Uh, well, uh, for me, I go to Thanksgiving at a uh, at uh, friends of the family's house, which is just full of uh, wild Italians everywhere. Point is, those of you with family who are going to bring up shits, good luck biting your tongue and or uh, uh, just just keep that knife away for a rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> I've never actually had that experience, so uh, I must be lucky. But then again, I don't have a lot of family left, so um, yeah, it is what it is. We just we just try and make the best of uh, terrible situations, which uh, it's getting a lot harder to do nowadays. But goddamn it, we're trying. We're trying as best we can. You know what, Alex? Speaking of people making the best. Of oh. a terrible situation. Right. This will lead us in. But before we get there, I want to start us off on a positive note. Um, I would like to shout out the following. Scott Pilgrim Takes Off and Takahata 101 for reaffirming my uh, newly embraced homosexuality. Thank you very much. You all know what you did. Newly embraced? Uh, f- fully newly embraced. Huh. Yeah, that, that happened a while ago. But uh, yeah, Scott Pilgrim takes off. It's very good. You all should watch it. Yes, it's not the same as the movie or the game or the comics. That's the point. You don't want to be spoiled about it, but you know now. Yeah, I just got... I basically realized, because I finished it all today before this recording. Uh, yeah, no, that is really good. That is a really good show, but it is very much really good in the way that like the rebuilds kind of assume you already know a good bit about the history of what came before the Scott Pilgrims is a lot simpler in that it's six volumes of a comic. It's a movie, maybe a video game. And then you have what is basically the end, the end of Pilgrim. (laughs) It's transmedia storytelling. Like, uh, welcome to the NHK. It, it, it goes in a lot of fun ways, and the reason I bring up Rebuilds is that it's very much in the the Brian Lee O'Malley who wrote the comic 20 years ago is not the same Brian Lee O'Malley that wrote Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Let's go with that. Yeah, and um, shout out to the animators of Science Sour for uh, making Lucas look like uh, 
<clears throat> Beefy. You want the- yes. Chris Evans is the complete dichotomy of uh, everything. You, you either get him in not another teen movie or as, Lu- as Lucas, or you get the end scene of Avengers Endgame where he looks like a devering for Joe Biden. Like, let's put it like this. Not every, <laughs> movie, not every movie actor turned voice actor is created equal. Like, but God damn it, Chris Evans is just absolutely delightful as this fucking, like, pre- like, this fucking actor with an attitude beefy boy. It's so fucking funny. <sighs> yes, it's a very fun show, and um, thank you all, you wonderful fan artists out and uh, stan accounts out there for giving my uh, timeline something good to look at instead of uh, the usual lack of discretion for the horrors of the world. I enjoyed the beefcake. Thank you. Same to all you Jujutsu Kaisen fans blessing me with all the Kentonami stuff, and uh, those of you who don't know, he has... Um, yeah, yeah. Taking an indefinite vacation to the beaches of Malaysia. I hope you enjoy it. I hope we see you again very soon. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so Jujutsu Kaisen, I guess it's time to rip that fucking bandaid off. Uh, yeah. Now, just to, just as a preface, what we're about to say has not been officially confirmed by any representative of Mappa because why would they ever confirm what we're about to say? The 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 word from the grapevine is that they were forcing actors. Not actors. They were trying. Okay, they were trying to get animators to sign NDAs to not talk shit about the production. But then a bunch of them said, "Fuck no, we're gonna talk shit about this production." Yeah. So what what we're citing from are essentially speculative firsthand accounts that are being shared around because uh, the animators at Mappa might be on the verge of a mutiny. It. It sure feels like it. That's for certain. And over the last couple of weeks for Jujutsu Kaisen's broadcast, it's been kind of slippy lately. So, here's the thing. If you are a regular listener to our show, the idea that MAPPA is taking on too much work than they can feasibly handle at one given time is not news. That's not news. That's not surprising. We've talked shit about them. We've mentioned, uh, it seems like things are a little rough behind the scenes. I wish Mappa would take a nap and all that. If you're a regular listener to our show, the news that things are kind of shitting the bed behind the scenes of Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 is one of those disappointing, but not surprising scenarios. The biggest news, and what's actually news about everything with Jujutsu Kaisen... This is leaving our circles. Everything about the shit show with what has been going on with the current season of Jujutsu Kaisen is leaving our circles. It's leaving the Sakagaboru circles. It's leaving the anime, like the people who are deep in the trenches of the anime news and what's happening with the anime industry. It's leaving those circles. It's reaching the casuals. It's reaching the mainstream. It's reaching the fucking voice actors on the Jujutsu Kaisen dub. Yeah. Now, we have gotten several uh, first-hand accounts from some of the animators who have managed to say whatever they can. It's about as bad as you would expect. and But one of the things that came out during all of this is that reportedly 
the production of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the film, was only four months. Yeah, what in the fuck? That is actually ridiculous. Like Four months for a near two-hour-long animated movie of this magnitude is horrifying to think about. Like, it, it's... It, it wasn't like the... It looked like a solid movie. It didn't look like it set the world on fire, but it was like a solid-looking cinematic shonen movie. And they did it in four months. What the fuck? Which, with that added context... Kind of makes the fact that Sung-Hoo Park immediately left MAPPA soon after the completion of that movie to found his own studio make a lot more sense. Yeah, looking less like that was a going in a different direction more like that was jumping ship. It's like, because like, that's a guy who's done a lot at MAPPA. He's done a lot of at MAPPA for years. He, he directed Garo Vanishing Line. He did God of High School. And he did do Jujutsu Kaisen Season 1 and 0. If he jumps ship, that's bad. If the amount of creatives that are just, they're just kind of throwing into the meat grinder and leaving a, for dear life is bad. The amount of pro, like, people don't understand that, like, MAPPA is effectively hoarding what would be any studio, other studio's, like, biggest cash cows. And they've bought, like, four or five that would be any studio's biggest project at, and are working on all of them at any given time. Uh, yeah, and I was just sitting here saying this, I, I had a thought, I wonder if Yuichiro Hayashi is going to say that at Titan's done. That's a good question. My immediate thought was he should do whatever the fuck he wants. And is the next question going to be, is that going to be bailing? I don't know. Some people might have loyalty. Some people might just be like, fuck all of this. This sucks. Did you know that like, like Hell's Paradise kind of being a production shit show and we still don't really know anything about that second season it's coming but it's like they kind of left that one to fend for itself they've left so many projects to fend for themselves because they always have to start the next one yeah I mean to put it in perspective like I mean I suppose anyway it is kind of good we don't know but it, but like but, you know given the amount of hype behind it and the fact that it was a pretty big title it is like really surreal the fact that we have no idea what Jade's on like they have so many of the big titles that they are basically hoarding over them like a fucking spoiled dragon and they can't handle it they can't handle all of it but like the goal of the fucking greedy shit stain of a president is just like oh we i want to basically pour money into getting all these big titles and then that will work itself out and we'll make that money back by how big these properties are, the merchandise. It's like you're not caring for any of the people. You are chewing them out into a meat grinder. And it's like, look, the anime industry is rough. Nobody's denying that... Nobody's going to pretend that, like, all of your own favorite studios or all the other anime studios don't have their own problems. But, like... MAPPA is the biggest kid in the hot seat right now. And they're going to continue to be. Because they're also going to continue to do shows that are really good. And here's the reality. The credit should not go to MAPPA because they decided to greenlit a project with six months of pre prep time and then just decide to let the team f 
fend for themselves because we're going to steal all the actual imported figureheads onto the next big project we've agreed to do, despite not having the manpower or resources to do it. Did you remember? Hey, guys, remember the fact that Jujutsu Kaisen Zero Season 2 was supposed to come out three months earlier than it did? Yeah, it was supposed to come out in the spring, but then like Gundam, which for Mercury was having all those problems. So it got extra time. And it's still falling apart. And also, as of today, Jujutsu Kaisen's going through the zombie Psalm 100 situation where it had to go up on TV today, but it's not hitting streaming till like the next day because we're trying to make this look a little more presentable. Like, it it kind of can't be understated how much it sucks that MAPPA went from, like, one of the hottest, like, kind of most creatively fulfilling studios in the industry to effectively just being, we are going to hoard all the biggest shonen we could get our hands on, and all we're going to do some creative projects, but we're not going to do shit about that. The fucking Mario Kata movie came out, like, three months ago, and... You haven't heard dick about it. Buchigiri from the Skate the Infinity director comes out in two months. You haven't heard dick about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it feels kind of weird to lady blame at one person. Because, like, it's simply not one person specifically, but, like, it's mostly about a bear. See, it's not mostly one person. It, it's never one guy. But the ideology that is shared from the top to the top executives that report to him, it, you can see it. Now. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it is. I mean, it does kind of, it does kind of sucks. I to say, but man, it really, really has not been the same since Mariana left. Yeah, and he just got to finish his dream project. He left the studio, the third studio he made for the third studio he made. To finally get his dream project off the ground. I have nothing but respect for Masayu Mariyama. But oh my fucking god, dude. Like, I can't believe the president of MAPPA had the balls to re- release the fact I want to speedrun to be the next Ufotable and the next KyoAni during the middle of the Jujutsu Kaisen shit show as it was starting to spill out. And, like, usually this just stays in the circles, like our circles or the Sakuga circles. This is hit mainstream. The leak is now in public view. It is known by the public, by the people who don't know how this shit actually works. They could see it in real time. Yeah, it's like a lot when these shit bros have gone from, like, man, I want to map it up to animate all my favorite shows to, oh, please don't let it be Mappa. I have had friends of mine on other servers joking about, hey, I can't wait for Don to Don to to get animated by Mappa. I'm like, shut the fuck up, please no. Yeah, it's rough. It's a very rough situation that's just not getting any better. And here's the thing. <sighs> if we start seeing consequences of this shit show, we're not gonna see it for at least a few years because they've already kinda like greenlit or gotten the rights to do titles or for at least the next two or three years because I think that's how the pre-production pipeline typically typically goes. Yeah, the stuff is booked years in advance now. So, like, they're not going to really lose projects 
for at least another couple of years now. And the thing that sucks is Mappa's not really protecting the animators from getting harassed online. They're the ones that are trying to steer this fucking train wreck and make it work. Don't thank Mappa for anything. Do not thank Mappa for how fucking hot Nanami looks in that one scene. That was not a Mappa. That was a person. A person put their blood, sweat, and into that shot, okay? Okay. Okay, okay. I, I didn't have to go that far, okay? What I'm saying is, the people that animate the best shots, the showstoppers, the ones that really go viral, those are the people that are doing the best and given nothing to work with. They are struggling, and they are surviving the best they can, while MAPPA has effectively abandoned them, because they had to start on the next project, otherwise that's not gonna come out. And it's like, who knows how those projects are going to struggle? Because it's, it's it's so transparent now how bad it is now. And that's the part that feels cathartic is seeing this is leaving our circles and the mainstream is seeing this is a train wreck. This is really, really bad. I can't believe it's this bad. Especially for Jujutsu Kaisen, which at this point arguably, and this is not a Jujutsu Kaisen versus Chainsaw Man debate, I'm not going there. At this point, Jujutsu Kaisen is arguably MAPPA's biggest IP they have access to. And if that's not safe from this level of shit show, then nothing is. That should terrify you. Yeah. Yeah. I normally have like a parting thought about the situation to move on with, but I don't. The parting thought. The parting thought is that the people working on Jujutsu Kaisen are talented, like inspired, creative, and truly like innovative, making the best out of a bad situation as they can be. And I have nothing but respect and admiration for anybody who is basically trying to get these out in time while the building's on fire. But at the same time, you're seeing animators just straight up going, oh yeah, this this office building that was destroyed during this fight scene in this episode, I based that off of the main production studio in MAPPA. And then everybody laughed. Yeah, so it's bad. It's very, very, the, very the bad pa- right The now. passive aggressism from the people working on the anime right now is dire. Indeed. And, uh, I kind of would like to do a little preamble for the next thing. Okay, because, yeah, I'm just lumping all of uh, the bad news up front for our benefit. Uh, yeah, so I feel, yeah, so I feel like when it comes to... So I feel like when it comes to certain like anime distributors in Japan, you you kind of have a certain degree of like the of the level of capitalism we're dealing with. You know, you have like uh, you have like your pony cans or 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 you know uh, ones that aren't like quite as big as that at like normal capitalism. And at normal capitalism, you have your folks like your Bandai Namco's, your Anaplexes, your Toho's, Anaplex, and then like like okay. and then. Like and then you hear the final boss, the final boss music playing. A large shadow approaches, looming over. It's, it's, it's Katakawa. Yeah, it's always Katakawa. 
And their plot for global domination is still underway, as they have reported earlier this month. Uh, based off of its earning, earnings results from the quarter ending on September 30th, they aim to establish more wholly-owned anime studios under its umbrella. I'm going to be honest. This should be like one of those holy shit level of announcements. But I'm kind of sitting here going... Uh, I... Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean they didn't already fully own studios? Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, they have that studio endgame that is just sort of like perpetually sucks, turning out like really terrible pizza guy dungeons. They, they literally put in the report they're already a majority owner of several studios, notably NG and Kinema Citrus, and it recently established studio K- Kadan which helped on the new Gamera Rebirth series with a 97.5% investment. Which is insane to me that, like, several studios, they have, like, majority ownership of and didn't totally own them already. That's insane. Yeah, it's... Bleh. It's very bleh. They're, they're, Katakawa is involved in so many anime productions already. That I guess it's just like we want our return on investment, but it's just I I mostly just look at the shock that several of the studios that Katakawa always works with weren't already like fully owned by them already, um, and like all the studios that that they seem to have majority ownership of, like Kinema Citrus has done some good stuff, but like NG is like such a coin toss, and by coin toss I mean it's got more. Tails than heads. Uh, yeah, basically, Kanaka was uh, domination of the industry is quite terrifying. It is. It, it really is. The theme of tonight's episode is the accepted stage of shitty capitalism. More on that later. Uh, yeah, more on that later. And uh, to move on, I'm, I'm just going to say this is not technically. A revelation, nor is it breaking. This is kind of old news that just came back up uh, recently. Because I think it was finalized. I think that's what happened. Yeah. So, in regards to the future of Hulu, uh, Disney is poised to acquire Comcast's one-third stake for about $8.6 billion, which means they will own uh, the entirety of Hulu. But let it be known, this is not new. This has been planned for a while. Even so, the timing of this coming out during the SAG after a writer and writer strike being like, you had almost nine billion dollars to spend on this deal. Yeah, and uh, and they're change of- charging the prices for more from your customers and not giving even an inch to a bunch of actors. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, and uh, in regards to um, uh, the SAG after deal, the strike is over asterisk there's just uh, the strike is over but we have two weeks for the majority of sag to vote if they want to uh if they approve of the deal or if they don't uh yeah and you know uh, and you know a lot of those uh, pesky quote-unquote low-level people uh they, they don't seem quite happy i feel like we're gonna see a lot of those i it <sighs> There is no guarantee that the strike is going to go back on because 
this stuff works in a vacuum. Like we're seeing a lot of these specific target, like a lot of the people we follow are people that will get the most hurt by lack of AI preventions, but people were already putting it, it out there. Like, Hey, we spent four months going. We can't trust the studios to just do the right thing on their own. And now at the end of this, it's like you have to trust the streamers to do the right thing. And it's like, what the fuck have you been fighting for then? Yeah, uh, all I can say is that no matter what happens, I am pretty confident that at the end of all this, a certain someone is going to get kicked out on her fanny. Oh, boy, should she. Oh, boy. Everything about Fran Uh, and the way she's been responding to this has very big... All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Energy. Let me tell you what. Cause like it, it also were people calling out, "Hey, guess what? The people in the negotiation committee were potentially pressured by the fact that their shows would have been canceled first. So you know, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I. So there's no guarantee the majority of SAG is going to vote no on the deal. But, like, a lot of the voice actors within our immediate sphere of interest are like, hell fucking no. And I can't blame them. If you can't tell, we're very strong-headed, opinionated people around here. What? What? No, no. Us? Uh, nah. Nah. Uh, some might even call us radicalized, but, uh, whatever. <laughs> Radical. Ah, Alex, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, oh, where did this, where did this sickle come from? Ooh, strange. Mm. Moving on. This one's a little murky because we don't have, like, full clarification, but there were some emails put out to subscribers of High Dive outside North America, mostly in... Uh, European regions and in countries that said that uh, High Dive will no longer be available in these areas starting on December 14th because AMC doesn't think it's doing that well over there. We really don't know. We're not sure the reasons. From what I am being told is that I think the plan is effectively in a lot of these regions the goal is to license is basically to do what Warner Brothers is doing now in the US market, which is effectively we're going to auction off streaming and distribution rights for a bunch of these big titles in these markets. I think that's what the game plan is, because I saw some people mentioning like in Asia Crunchyroll and Netflix were starting to get rights to a bunch of high dive stuff. So I think it's kind of like a stream to the highest bidder, depending on those regions. It's still a little unfortunate, and I don't blame people for being a little annoyed. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. after this, it's US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Latin America? Or did they pull out of Latin? No. US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand some it it is less territories than it was i think some people were concerned about like puerto rico wasn't part of them but it's like no u.s territories including puerto rico are still still there yeah no it's unfortunate and i know high dive is like a strange dog in this industry but it's like 
Nobody wants them to go away at this point, even if they are kind of frustrating in some of the strange decisions they make. Because even if they go away and lose their small stockpile, that's just that's just bad for everybody. It's better to have an imperfect alternative than no alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're trying here. We're, we're fucking trying, trying. We're so trying, dude. Okay. 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 Well, let's bring this back around with a bit of good news, depending on how you feel about certain things. This kind of came out of nowhere. One piece is officially mainstream. Like we had the Thanksgiving Day parade floats. We had, you know, the big movie. We have the Netflix show. He has been searching for the ultimate treasure, One Piece, and now Monkey D. Luffy sailing into New York City for the Macy's parade. Hold it! Wait, 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 wait. They got the name right. They didn't screw it up. This was unforeseen. This was this wasn't in the plans. Well, hey, uh, I tip my hat to you, Al Roker and everybody at NBC. You, uh, you did it. <laughs> Shame about his hat, though. It got uh, caught up in a tree because of the winds happening in New York City. So it looked like uh, uh, one of those, what do you call them, those little fishing hats. It looked like the guy from the New Radicals. But, uh, it was a cool look. So um, yeah, let's just uh, get back into it here. Now they're partnering with the NFL because on December 3rd, it will be One Piece Day at the LA Rams game. I saw people talking about why didn't this go to like an actual pirate themed uh, football team? And the answer is Crunchyroll's based out of LA. Actually, they're based out of San Francisco, but you know, whatever. They're based out of California. Yeah. Also, the only the only pirate themed team that there is is Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they suck. They're not good. Then again, neither are the Rams. So I don't know what they're doing here. I guess uh, they were the ones who put in like the most uh, offering to make this a thing, which is cool and all. But I think they also like, did something with the Chargers last year. Well. I, either way, uh, this is going to be a, a cool thing for like the five actual Rams fans out there who you know aren't fans of like the Raiders or the 49ers. <laughs> We're everywhere around here. I just I have no strong I have no strong feelings about this in particular. I just think it's neat. Mm-hmm. Though I don't think we're going to see anything like that on like the TV broadcast because they don't do any of the fun stuff on the broadcast. But I'm sure they'll they'll have some videos up uh, for this event, which it's still neat. But oh yeah, you could have done it with the Raiders too. They're they are literally pirates. You know what they say about the autumn wind, or at least I do. But um, I just thought this was cool. And a bit of levity before we talk about this thing here regarding Hunter Hunter, as in the manga of Hunter Hunter. So, yeah. Yeah, so on the television talk show, uh, Irakura to Yoshisumi no Bangumi, uh, earlier in the week, 
Yoshihiro Togashi reveals that he had four possible scenarios for ending uh, the manga series. He said in a letter read aloud during the program that he developed three of the endings and presented the fourth abandoned ending during the program and added that it could be considered the ending in case he passes away before finishing the series. This is bittersweet and kind of morbid, but Tagashi's not an idiot. He 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 kinda knows that like his health ain't great and he's been at this for like you know how we were just talking about One Piece? Hunter Hunter's like a year younger than One Piece at this point. He's been at Hunter Hunter that long. So basically he revealed that he has several possible endings. All of which are basically to several very ex- before I talk about the the ending D, uh he mentions he would think of satisfying enough ending he wouldn't have to resort to the possible ending A, B, or C, which he predicted would have a mixed reception. He believes readers would be 80% positive on ending A, evenly split on ending B, and 90% negative on ending C. He qualified he does not personally think ending A would be highly rated, just that it would be the safe, non-controversial ending. Despite the overwhelming criticism he would receive from fans, Tagashi personally preferred ending C out of the... Oh my god, he's like, yeah, my my favorite is the one that I think most people would hate. Give us ending C. (laughs) Which I was talking about some people speculating where it's like, if it's an ending he's satisfied with, but one most people would hate, it would probably be the death of a popular character. I was having this discussion, and it's like, I actually don't think it would be Killua. I think Killua's actually in a good place in his life right now. As of, yeah, where, safe. As of where Killua is at, he's at a safe, honestly kind of happy place in his life right now. Now, Kurapika, on the other hand, oh boy, that's, that is anybody's guess how that fucking uh, train wreck's going. But yeah, it's fascinating. Also, I can see I get the feeling why ending D is the scrapped. Please don't let me die before this has to be the alternative one because it's the one that turns going straight. Yeah, yeah. Literally, ship. Literally, he gets with a character that does not have a name or a voice actor, and I'm like, okay. I can see why this was kind of the abandoned one. But it was basically kind of like the cycle repeats itself as far as the uh, life of the hunter leaving the family. Yeah. It's very bittersweet when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's just... Yeah, there's really no one to do it. This is really sobering. Everything about Tagashi basically just confronting the world with his own health and mortality is very sobering. And, like, let the record show, he is three years older than Kentaro Miura was. So, the his own mortality and the idea of an, of an ending is probably weighing on him a lot in recent years. So, like, I have nothing but respect for this man. I will accept ending D if the worst comes to pass. Please do your best. Please do your best, sir. 
And it's very clear that this is like, oh, he's not going to let his assistants do this. He has no assistant. If Hunter Hunter, if he dies, Hunter Hunter dies. It is as simple as that. And that's why I wanted to get all the bad stuff out of the way first. Yep. So here's the thing. I think this one is really fascinating to talk about because I actually think it's pretty interesting. It's like sobering and it's a little depressing, but Tagashi just kind of coming to terms with the fact that, like, yeah, I have plans. I also just appreciate being frank about I think some of my favorite endings are the ones that would make people the most mad, which, yeah, that, that sounds about right, actually. That is a, that is a brave, bold motherfucking creator, let me tell you what. <laughs> yeah. And also rewatching Hunter Hunter, man, it, it's it's still good. It still holds up. It's still pretty fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we move on to our meager non-anime NYC announcements and updates, and we start with good news: the blue box anime is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck we, we, yeah. We, yeah, we got the word that the anime's happening. Presumably more de- details will happen at Jump Festa. We got uh, our two leads announced. We got Shoya Chiba as my good boy Taiki Inamata and Reina Ueda as Ch- Chinatsu Kano, which Reina Ueda is actually a pretty fucking banger uh, choice for Chinatsu, not gonna lie. Hmm. So, yeah, those seem like good choices. I'm also going to say, holy shit, those character designs are way closer than I was expecting them to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, they are almost exactly what I wanted. It's kind of shocking. I also saw people being like, wow, those are lighter blue outfits than I expected. It's like, dude, the show's called Blue Box. Of course they're going to be blue. Da da dee da da da. But no, it's like, yeah, no, that looks pretty close to the character designs, which I'm going to be honest, when this news leaked, and they showed like a kind of blurry like camera phone image of the main PV with Chiratsu like sitting on a step and like the sun like the sun lens flaring. I saw people going like bro, is this go hands? I'm like, shut the fuck up. I will kill all of you. I will maim you. I will fucking rip your guts out and wear them as a hat. But will you slice somebody's head open and drink their blood? I could be convinced. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyways, just going off of the character designs, I, I don't think this is Gohan's. I'm not convinced it's Cloverworks yet, but I don't think this is Gohan's. Maybe it's and, A1? It could be. Uh, a, it could be. I, 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 it feels uh, like it could be. An, like, here's the thing. It feels like it could be an Anaplex. Slice of Life series. I don't know if it's going to be. Uh, I just had a, uh, I just had a thought uh, that I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't think about sooner. Shoot. Uh, so I went specifically with the After the Rain crew. Oh, man. Oh, man. You're cooking. You're cooking with gas, my friend. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's probably not what this is, but I can't rule. Oh, oh, I li- oh, ooh, I like that a lot, actually. 
<laughs> and we're not gonna know until Jump Fest, though. We're basically we're basically just uh, we're basically just spitballing right now. This is like one of the few where it's like I'm not doing the anybody but Mappa champ because I really don't think this is going to be Mappa at all. Blue box is big, but it's not quite like shonen fight money big you know what i mean yeah yeah it's about tender romantic passion and sports yeah i mean i was gonna i was gonna say that's not really mappa's particular brand but then i got sad because i remember the show that is all those things if they just leave it got cold in the corner are you talking about don to don or sakamoto days no, I was that's like no, I was literally talking about your eyes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Man, we're at the point where like seven years ago Mappa is almost unrecognizable from modern Mappa. It's yeah. it's 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 sobering. Been waiting six years for that damn movie when they can make one in four months. I'm pretty sure it's not about the time. I know, I know, I know. I'm just arguing semantics, I know. What I'm saying is, uh, I love my boy Taiki. Chinatsu is wonderful, too. I love these good kids. I'm very excited for this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, more details to come soon. Uh, Okay, so earlier in the month, we got uh, word that... Legend of Kuroko's is getting a new uh, season. Legend of Galactic Heroes, the Noi season five is greenlit. It'll be ready whenever the hell it's ready. Love that shit. Crunchyroll dub the rest. Yeah, uh, yeah, we uh, need to dub a season four, please. Thank you. That's where I stand. This is cool. Crunchyroll dub the rest, you fucks. Uh, I'm definitely curious where it's going to end because they were like right before the halfway point. So, yeah, it was guess how much we're going to cover next season. You think like what, six, eight seasons? Uh, I mean, it's, okay, I mean, it's 10 novels and they were at the end of like, I think they were either like right at the end of volume four with the last one or like right at the beginning of volume five. Okay, so it's it's getting there. Yeah, at, yeah. At this point, it might actually be longer than the '80s version, which is that—that's shocking that, somehow. That's insane. I don't believe you. I mean, I, I mean, at, I mean, uh, at the point they are currently at, the '80s version was at the halfway point, and this one isn't yet. So this one actually might end up being longer, which is wild to me. Oh, that's insane! I wow. Okay. <sighs> All right. Anyways. uh... Yay for more Galactic Heroes, uh, Crunchyroll, dub it, you uh, bitch-ass motherfuckers. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. This next one here, which is really only... It, this, this one's just for me. I'm calling this What Men Want, the anime uh, gay version. Cherry Magic, 30 Years of Virginity Can Make You a Wizard, is getting an anime. It'll be premiering in the winter, and this looks wholesome and cute and lovely. I've heard good things about this one in particular. So, yeah, no, wasn't willing to give this one a shot. See how it goes. Don't let me down, State Lights. I'm putting my stock in you for this one. Man, that's one of those studios where it's like, is it Satellite or is it State Life? It's like, is it UFO Table or is it Ufotable? Fucking what? <laughs> it's the ketchup versus ketchup debate. You're, you're wrong either way, but you're right either way. You know what I'm realizing? 
This premise is effectively just like the adult gay version of oh my god, I'm gonna ruin this for you, Alex. I'm sorry. The premise of this reading it now is basically like the gay working adult version of Anya's psychic powers. <laughs> Because the premise is Adachi, a 30-year-old virgin, has developed the power to read people's minds by touching them. After a brush with his very handsome colleague, Adachi realizes he has a raging crush on none other than Adachi himself. I mean, I said what men want, some anime version. That was a movie that happened. Basically, just remove the bullshit, let me read your mind. And then there's the curse of knowing too much. It's knowing their mind and then having to have the poker face. That's the hard part. Nobody gets <laughs> Like, I just learned that you want to bend me over backwards and make me squeal like a pig. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to just go to lunch now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Looks uh, good. And lastly here... We've got some good news for Christmas. Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead will be finishing on Christmas night. Hoorah! I've I've I'm caught up to the dub of Zom 100, and I'm going to say, yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good show. I know the production stuff's unfortunate, but you know what? It's honestly like a really good-looking show, regardless. And like, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed my time watching it every week. Yeah, so yeah, that one I heard was kind of a case of uh, maybe two bitches for the amount of time they had. Yeah, that's the vibe I've gotten from watching the majority of it, is I don't think it's that the production fell apart. It's that I don't think they had the time to do all of the cool things they wanted, and kind of kept doing all the cool things regardless. Which I can respect, but you can definitely see how that would be tricky. Unrelated, I'm looking at these preview pictures, and oh my god, the MC just looks like Xena Robinson now. <laughs> it's like they know. I, I, it's obviously pure coincidence, but I'm sure, like, I'm sure Zeno's looking at his boy there, and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's my man. Also, Alex, did you have you caught up to the dub of this or the show of this at all? I'm waiting for the last episodes to drop before I go deep into this. Also, we have Attack on Titan to finish up. Oh, that's fair. Which, speaking of Attack on Titan, I would like to say that the end of Episode 9 introduced Team Dark variants of the main character team. And, like, the the evil version of, like, Zeno Robinson's character is played by Bryce Pappenbrook playing the evil Aaron Yeager version of his voice. <laughs> and it's wild. It's like they know. <laughs> it's really funny too. I was like, "Oh my god, that's that is the that is the Jaegerist Aaron Jaeger voice that Bryce is using right now. This is insane." <laughs> yeah, I'll be dropping on Christmas Day. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And now we come to the big meat platter of the show. All the stuff from Anime NYC, which. We'll start with news for next year's Anime NYC. It's moving to August. I'm less surprised by this than I should be for two particular reasons. One, yeah, guess what? Doing a big convention the week before 
Thanksgiving is kind of a lot in New York City, especially when a lot of major traffic routes are closed in preparation for the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's one subline route that's closed every year because of that. So, honestly, make it a little less hectic for holiday travel and doing it like the week before Labor Day. It honestly makes sense. But I will yep. say the timing of this coming in the summer at between like late August, early September tells me something else. Crunchyroll Expo is dead, and Crunchyroll is just going to sponsor a big con like Anime NYC instead of putting on their own from here on out. They say, uh, I say, uh, yeah, for all, yeah, uh, having been at Anime NYC this year, uh, it was basically Crunchy Con in all but name. So yeah, that that's what I'm convinced is happening, is that Anime NYC is going to be the unofficial Crunchyroll Expo. Because they don't have to put it on themselves. They just have to be a big producer of it. Yep. Well, and they're going to use all of the uh, main building of the Javits Center uh, starting next year. So, Which, that's a lot of buildings. So that's actually a pretty big deal. Maybe there's a reason why all that's coming together. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, honestly, I'm pretty happy with this, dude. Like, August is honestly more for me personally so I- it's it's before like the like s- fall season and like cold weather in new york city is not bad but like there that is a big traffic season when anime nyc was taking place in this is at least a little more manageable mm-hmm. which before we get into the news i was actually curious jets i kind of want to hear a little bit about it as somebody who couldn't go this year and from somebody who was going there actually for work this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I was mostly, like, in and out of, like, panels and stuff, so I didn't do too much fucking around, but it was, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was a pretty nice con. And I was like, uh, a little crowded, but not, like, super terrible, surprisingly. I mean, it helped that I had a press pass, so I was able to get in and out with, like, almost zero problems most of the time. As somebody who's had a press pass before, let me tell you, that sure does help. Because, by God, I remember the year it was really bad, where it's like, yeah, that press pass was saved me a world of hurt. Mm. And I haven't gotten that uh, uh, But yeah, yeah, they had, like, some uh, interesting boots and stuff. They had, like, a little, like, do-do-do kind of thing where you could, like, experience what Infinite Void was like, or something like that. Uh, there was a Hulu booth for some reason. Yeah, so there's and- been a big Hulu anime push this past couple of months. Which I find interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, in case you're wondering, uh, uh, the FBI and the Marines were indeed there. I never came across their booth, oh, and I'm more than happy for it. It it's sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words, and that picture is a Masato from Neon Genesis cosplayer at the F at like the Marines booth, and it's like, man, I I I would write that level of like satire and be called a hack. Also, I wanted to ask, hey Jet. Is there things yeah. of yours about the convention that our audience can go and read? 
Uh, yeah, uh, right now I uh, did a write-up for uh, the Sengoku Pyoko premiere. That, as I, as I, I can at least say that definitely looks better than Biscuit Hammer. Not like, not a super impressive production, but it looks like, it, it looks pretty solid. It looks like a 6 out of 10 movie. instead of a 2. Yeah. And so, and so, oh yeah, but it's it's yeah, and like for what they were saying, it's not like production was going like pretty, pretty decently. It was also nice to know that like that the thirty nine episode thing was like an incident they made simply because they wanted to take their time adapting it. Oh, that is apparently cool, it was going to be like twenty four or something, but then they realized it wasn't going to be enough, so they like went over to Crunchyroll and like the other partners they were working with and got more episodes. That's actually pretty crazy. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm glad that worked out for them. And uh, you mentioned another premiere you saw. Uh, yeah, I also as I uh, also went to the Hot Eye premiere of Chain Soldier, to which uh, I literally knew nothing about that show since it was by the Akame Got Kill guy. So I was feeling it to be another Akame Got Kill. Instead, uh, it was basically just Love Hina with like some action splash over it. I was kind of surprised. It sounds a lot hornier than it is edgy. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's mostly just horny. All right, at least it knows what it's about. Yep, and uh, the, and then on Sunday, uh, saw a few cultural premieres. Uh, classroom of the Elite season three, which is uh, that's sure more Classroom of the Elite. Uh, I did a did unlock adventure, which uh, despite the fact that it's about a dude like getting immediately by like a dragon or something and then having to walk around as like a skeleton for a while and then eventually a zombie. It was honestly like pretty boring. It was like 90% just constant exposition. Like, main character just would not stop talking and I got bored after a while. But did SpongeBob show up in the episode? Uh, unfortunately not. But the one I was impressed with, uh, a sign of affection, that, w- that one looks. That one was pretty good. It, it looks amazing. Like, this like really impeccable direction. Like, color, like character animation. It's gorgeous. Uh, uh probably seems cute too. Like a cute little, it's a, 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 a cute little robot, cute little rom com about like college students and like one of them's deaf and it's a, it's a, and kind of like you know dealing with the communication barrier, but not in like a really like. Obnoxious way. It's 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 really charming. I think everyone will like it when that comes out. I'm looking forward to it. But yes, if you'd like to read more about those, those early previews are on Anime News Network because you actually went with Anime News Network to cover the con, and that's that's pretty cool, man. Proud of you. Oh, mm-hmm. oh thank you. And yeah, I. Also, is there? I'm told there are more to expect more in the coming weeks too. So, yeah, good luck. Uh, with that. Yeah, yeah, th- mm-hmm. yeah. There's one more thing that is probably going to take a minute, but yeah. Godspeed to you. Yeah. I just, I just want, I just wanted to, I wanted to hype you up for a little bit and say I'm proud of you. That was cool. Glad you got to do the thing. Thank you. And so we begin with the announcement slates proper with, well, Crunchyroll. They announce stuff that they have starting. Uh, they have next a handful year. of stuff that they announced. Some of it was actually pretty interesting. All right, we will start with 
uh, True Beauty. So True Beauty is apparently, it's a webtoon, and I'm told a pretty popular Korean webtoon at that. I think it's already got a K-drama, and I feel like I can tell something's going to actually be, like, a big deal when, like, a bunch of, like, fans and voice actors alike, they're like, holy shit, this is getting an anime? Alright, let me take a swig of water and read what this one's about, because I actually have not read what this one's about. Jugyong, who transformed herself with makeup, transfers to Saibon High School to leave her past of being bullied behind. The school is known for producing idols, actors, and influencers thanks for its unique tradition of anonymous voting for the school's true beauty goddess. Chosen student gets scouted by entertainment agencies. Jugyong quickly becomes the center of attention, gaining the title of the next goddess candidate and mingling with Sujin, the former two-time goddess. However, Sujin's friendly facade hides a malicious intent. She aims to bring Junyong down using cunning tactics and traps. Determined not to be a victim again, Junyong confronts Sujin, vowing to become the next goddess. She engages in a fierce voting war while concealing her makeup-free face. However, things take unexpected turns where Suho Lee, the school's heartthrob, accidentally sees her bare face, and Junyong crosses paths with the enigmatic Sojun Han, who is determined to unveil her true identity. As Junyong's life becomes more entangled with these two, a thrilling tale of beauty, intrigue, and self-discovery unfolds. Oh, it's a so it's a high school soap opera. Uh yeah. Uh read that description. It sounds like what like uh what is it, that other webtoon thing that was on Netflix a while back. So um, I like I like that too more than I thought I would, so uh yeah, I'm interested. And it seems like this one's actually got like a female protagonist perspective on this one. And yeah, no, this just this just feels like a like a like a lady-oriented like soap opera, which isn't a bad thing. I don't want it to sound like that is a bad thing, but hey, that that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. No idea on who's making it, who's working on it. Just that it's just got announced at this panel, so expect Crunchyroll to be producing it fully. Yep. Uh, we got the dub cast for Solo Leveling announced. Oh Christ! Yeah, this is uh. This one's actually pretty interesting, because, hey, remember Chainsaw Man? Remember how that dub uh, had a pretty surprising mix of people from the Texas and L.A. Spears in that dub cast? Uh-huh. Hey, guess what's happening for solo leveling? It's that. Yeah. So, the titular solo leveling man is Alex fucking Lee. Uh-huh. So yeah, if you don't know who Alex Lee at this point is, uh, you, 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 Alex, just think of stuff. You can figure stuff out. He is, uh, he is uh, Luke from Street Fighter Six. He is Kaiman from Dora Hidoro. He is Zenitsu from Demon Slayer. He is, uh, uh, he is uh, the Anos Voldegode in Misfit of Demon King Academy. He's a lot. Alex Lee's done a lot in the past couple of years, and now he's the lead of this new show. Mm-hmm. And this is specifically a Dallas-based dub, because included in the ensemble are the talents of Justin Briner, Michelle Rojas, Ian Sinclair, Christopher Sabat, Kent Williams, and Danny Chambers. But some other people in the cast are the famili- familiar, very talented, absolutely a voice actor, don't fucking shit on him for being a YouTuber, you fucks, Sung Wan Cho. And first-time anime debut, because she is in the L.A. Sphere, and was apparently a production assistant on a number of DreamWorks stuff 
before pursuing voice acting, Rebecca Wong. This is a Caitlin Glass joint, by the way, which, if that name mm-hmm. sounds familiar, she's probably one of the strongest directors currently working at Crunchyroll Dallas. Has been for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find it especially funny that I was looking up Rebecca Wong and like, fun fact, Fruits Basket is one of my favorite anime and I have a Fruits Basket tattoo on my arm and it's like, oh, that was a good conversation starter with the with the Fruits Basket director, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, solo leveling dub. I, everything I hear about solo leveling sounds like every time I hear like, oh, this is a really good show. I also hear somebody saying, oh, this show sucks. Like, everybody's like, oh, the show's so cool, it's so interesting, it's so action-packed, everybody's like, oh, it's kind of bland and boring and generic. So I'm going into this with true neutral expectations. Uh, I mean, I'm expecting it to be an edgy thing, and uh, hopefully hopefully it's the fun type. I'm not sure if it's going for edgy, it just kind of seems like it's just, like, webtoon action fluff. Like, my immediate thought when people talk about it is it reminds me a little of God of High School, the way people talk about it, where it's like, it's such a cool action series, but it's kind of a little basic. But that's a very strong-looking cast, and I will definitely be checking it out. Okay. And from there we go to uh, Delusional Monthly Magazine is what it's being called. This is an original show premiering next season. I really don't know a lot about it. My voice needs a break. Anybody want to read the description for me? Uh, I'll read it. The uh, story takes place in the town of Most City in a certain country, second floor, an old building, publishing company, titular magazine, science magazine featuring articles about shocking, bizarre events, psychological phenomena. Uh, there's a dog involved. Stuff happens. You're not the greatest salesman, are you? I I'm not getting a whole lot of material to work with with this. This looks like a very flat OLM project. I don't know what to expect. It looks perfectly serviceable. I don't think this one's going to set the world on fire. It might be fun. That's a cute dog. Now this one is one I'm far far more interested in. Yeah, Senpai is an Otokonoko. This one's been building up for a while. So, this was, remember how we were talking about, it's weird that, like, we don't see more winners of the uh, Anime Japan uh, manga we most wants to be in anime actually get an anime announced at Anime Japan? Well, this was one of the number one picks one year, and this actually got announced at Anime Japan. So this is an interesting one, and this is definitely going to be a queer love story. Can true love really overcome any obstacles? Saki, a high school student, confesses her feelings to Makoto. Taken aback, Makoto reveals his secret, but the sudden discovery doesn't seem to bother Saki, who is already head over heels for him. After being rejected, Saki asks Ryuji, Makoto's childhood friend, for some advice on how to win his heart. A love triangle unfolds where when Ryuji realizes that he might also have some feelings for his old friend. By the way, the secret was that he he, he cross-dresses and the girl confessed to him when uh, he thought he was a girl. So definitely some, uh, 
some uh, buy rep for this one in particular. Mm-hmm. Very good. This one seems cute. This is definitely an Aniplex romance project, and I'm excited to see more. And this seems like a good get for Crunchyroll. Good job, Crunchy. Good, yep. good on the queer romances and shit. Dub it, you cowards. Dub it, you cowards. Welcome, welcome to the resistance. Yeah, okay. We also have here Season 2 of Tower of God coming in the summer. I am, uh, I'm very, uh, very curious how some things are going to go with uh, Tower of God in particular for reasons we have discussed in the past. But yeah. yeah, Tower of God. I hear that's one of the better uh Crunchyroll Copertos Copertos pre Warner selling. Yeah, I look at this series and I go, I am so whelmed. I'm not overwhelmed, I'm not underwhelmed, I am just whelmed. Hey Alex in editing, could you just put that that audio clip of Scott the Waz going? It looks fine. It looks fine. Yeah, just put that here, and that's my thoughts on Tower of God. Yeah. And we end things off with My Hero Academia UA Heroes Battle going up on Crunchyroll this coming Thursday with a dub. Woo. Honestly, this one's kind of adorable in how so untransparent they're being about this being like a new TCG game that they're trying to promote. Like, uh, like it's kind of that level of like it's almost so shameless that's almost darling. So it's like, all right, whatever. But at least you're gonna see your favorite characters with big, giant anime eyes, like even more giant, like cartoonishly giant, and like that looks funny. They also posted a new trailer for the Demon Prince of Momochik House. Which there was no ETA of airing at the time that trailer came out, and then they're like, oh yeah, this one's also coming out in January. I was like, fucking what, mate? Ha. So, yeah. (sighs) Okay, then. Well, that's what Crunchyroll had to offer. Yeah, it's it's a couple of interesting things. A little less from this uh, current season than I was expecting, but oh well. They, they, I think the last con they did, they dropped the big bombshell of stuff like Spice and Wolf and uh, uh, Kaiju Number Eight already. So, yeah, yeah. So we, so we move on to J Novel Club because they announced things. They actually had a pretty good haul of new things to announce. Including, actually, you know what? Let's save that one for last. The one that's at the beginning of the article, let's save that one for last. Okay. So we'll start with Management of Novice Alchemist. Uh, This is that anime series that Sentai picked up a few seasons ago that I was surprised got announced for an English dub. But, yep, now J-Novel has the light novel of that, so that's pretty cool. Cool. Um, there's also the banished former hero lives as he pleases. <sighs> okay, let's see where we're going with this. Uh, deemed a good for nothing for his low level and lack of a god-given gift. Alan is stripped of his noble status and banished from the d- the duchy, the duchy of Westfelt, the du- duchy. 
Damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm just. I'm trying to workshop a joke with Dutchy and trying to make it sound like some form of of bussy. Mm. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm, I'm <sighs> watching this. Anyways. Uh. Anyways. Well, he failed to get it into the Dutchy. But Alan has a secret. He was a great hero in a previous life, and he's thrilled for the chance to... F- okay. His drama-free uh. existence, however, soon interrupted by a desperate encounter with his ex-fiance. Uh, a, a what encounter? Oh, desperate. <laughs> As a former hero who still possesses the incredible power from his past life, Alan can't ignore somebody. He, he, eh. 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 Moving on. Nia Liston, the Merciless Maiden. Okay, this already has more potential just from that cover alone. Look at that little child covered in blood. Haha, what whimsy. Uh, <laughs> so, a great hero lies undefeated on her deathbed, regretting that she never found a foe who could take her down. She never intended to meet her fate anyway other than on the battlefield, and her peaceful demise as her wishing desperately that things could have been different. But when she suddenly comes into the body of the young, frail Nia Liston, she's got a new fight ahead of her. Nia is a sickly child, meaning she has a long way to go before she's in fighting form. Now that she's been given, she's determined to get what she wants. She's going to... Oh, she's new game plusing it. She's new game plusing it by basically going like, I want a debuff. Give me this small, sickly child, and I will be a champion in combat. Hmm. Cool. All right. This next one. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Fuck me. Deep breath. Deep breath. You got this, buddy. The exiled noble rises as the holy king, befriending fluffy beasts and a holy maiden with my ultimate cheat skill. Oh my god, these fucking titles are so trash. Ugh. Oh, this one has more paragraphs. Okay. Noah used to have it good as the son of a duke, but when the almighty state excommunicates him, he suddenly tossed into... Young and inexperienced, his odds of survival are grim. His only... Ho- okay. Which gives him the power to recruit monsters and humans alike and make their... Thankfully, Noah's a natural born... He quickly assembles a whole host of fluffy underdog friends... Okay, now we're talking. And he's determined to build them a safe haven. Lying low, however, won't be easy with the Church of Astral's best... Asa- okay, whatever. Thank you, sweetie, for this water. I need to read more trash anime titles. <laughs> Have fun with that. Love you. <sighs> Holy made it a. Oh my god. All I wear. Oh, I was trying to gargle, make this more interesting. Oh god. God. Oh, that was maybe one of the grossest things I've ever done. (laughs) No, it's not. You've done grosser things on this show, and you know it. That's fair. All right, next. Uh, Deep breath. 
The oblivious saint can't contain her power. Forget my sister. Turns out I was the real saint all along. <sighs> you can tell we're not the intended audience for a lot of no, these titles. No, we're not. Lady Carolina, the overlooked daughter of a powerful duke, has always believed herself to be the black sheep amid her illustrious kin. Her father is the distinguished prime minister, her elder sister, a prod... In comparison, Carolina resigns herself to a quiet existence in their shadows until a sudden and unexpected royal decree thrusting her into political marriage with the bloodthirsty prince, determined to prove Carol's bull step into a world. Carolina moves even closer. To- yeah, okay. Okay, next is the Atome heroines fight for survival. I feel like the the amount of inbreeding between all of these light novel titles is bordering on even Alabama would be like, dude, that's fucked up. Ugh. Orphaned by a monster attack on her village, young Alicia spends uh, three horrid years in an orphanage before finally running away. Uh, when she flees, however, Alicia has a violent encounter with an older woman hell-bent on kill. Okay, now this is actually getting a little saucy. During this tussle, she comes into contact with a strange crystal that bestows upon her a wealth of knowledge, transforming her from an innocent child into a light Yagami. Sorry, a cool and calculated (laughs) planner. (laughs) Now aware that she was meant to be the protagonist of an Otome game and disgusted with her supposed fate, Alicia decides to take matters to Dolan and become strong by any means necessary. Some help from a stranger she meets in the woods, survive by herself in a world far too hard. Okay. The Water Magician. That's yeah, a short I, title. I yes, respect that. Rio is delighted to be reincarnated <sighs> into the fantastic world of Phil. Oh, sorry, Fee. Where he thinks he'll get to live a quiet life. Learning to. Going with the flow here, however, means something very different. He's immediately pitted against the water. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, some fu- I'm fucking trying. You think he'd forget about taking it easy when he's stuck fighting, but lucky, <laughs> clever, and blessed with the. Uh, Many years pass in the blink of an eye. Fuck off. I t- Moving on, let's just speed through these. Uh, Sword St. Adele's Second Chance. Blind Swordmaster Adele personally puts an end to the Great War engulfing the continent of chaos. Though he uses it for good, his strength comes from his horrific past. The gruesome experiments performed on him in the countless battles to death to prove his worth. It was the gentle compassion of Princess Euphenia that saved him, and Adele met it fiercely when he swore to be by her side forever. So now, even though the war won, he barely ruse his failure to protect her when it mattered most. Adele would give anything for a second chance to make things right, and he's in luck. A mysterious being is about to offer him one wish, and he knows exactly what he wants for. He instantly finds himself transported to the past as a beautiful... Wait, what? Instantly transported to the past as a beautiful woman, prepared to make use of both his old abilities as a swordmaster and his newfound power as a saint. Adele now leaps into action to change the course of history and save their beloved princess. Oh shit, it's an egg isekai. Hmm. There we go. There we go. Now we have something interesting. Okay, and there's something interesting here. It is um, RV Simulator Isekai. RV I'm not saying my- the whole title. Fuck you. No, no, I'm going to read it because I love the subtitle. <laughs> RVing my way into exile with my beloved cat. This villainous is trippin'. 
<sighs> when a video game loving office worker reincarn <laughs> the villainess of an Otama game, she's determined to have a better life than the original. Despite her best efforts, the game self-corrects and leads misery. Just what she was hoping to avoid. There's a twist, however. She had no idea the game-breaking skill could summon a modern RV? Alright. With her beloved cat. Uh, convenient features like a bathroom, kitchen, and more. Sure. I've... I feel it's 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 so fucking Jover, guys. Uh, okay, and there's also uh, uh, Butareba, the pink ow, fucker Isekai. Ow, ow, oh, oh, god! I gotta read the police sirens. <laughs> like, woo, 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 what's woo, the deal? Woo. Is so she can read the pig's mind, and like he's not doing anything, but like. Her his mind is full of like dirty otaku shit. Is that what the deal is? What I, I don't know, man. Uh, <coughs> Jesus. Jesus. Okay. And then there is uh well we're in the manga section now. We started with uh the pig fucker. Now we're in the manga section. Duchess in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> An unknown culted, culprit assaulted... Oh, Christ. That uh, single incident led to the loss of... Oh, Christ. Ah. Uh, uh, well, I guess it's something different, but that's a great start. Hey! This girl got assaulted, and now everybody in high society thinks she's a whore. Ugh. I'm pretty uh, sure there was uh, an arc of Riverdale that started like that, which was very stupid. That single incident led to the loss of her reputation. She's faced years of isolation. One day, she suddenly finds herself married off to Duke Hubert. Turns out he needs Opal's family fortune to save himself from death, despite his unsavory... Uh, Opal's newly when life begins in a dusty old attic. Hubert's mansion's full of hostility for his new bride, and even the staff begin to... Forbidden from helping to manage the duchy, stubborn Opal decides locked down upon... I don't know if I like any of that, actually. Uh, I mean, I mean, one line implies potentially or even otherwise is not much of anything here. Uh, there's like a level of, oh, no, this girl got raped and society shunned her for it. And now she just got thrown to a guy who needed the money. And she's just now Cinderella and also a, a victim of sexual... Uh, Not great. Uh, Not great, Bob. Okay, there's the Water Magician manga. We don't need to talk about that again. Wait, what the fuck? Is this something interesting? Okay, shit. Yo, what's this? Uh, through the viewport, child of a ruined world. Oh, shit. This might be interesting. Long after the fall of humanity, the world lies in ruin. Factions of autonomous warship machines, monstrous biological weapons, and other horrors of a bygone era battle it out in the remains of the society that created them, their conflict endless and seemingly meaningless, until, that is, a machine finds its own meaning in the form of a human child. That machine, Humanoid Mobile Weapons Unit Number 10, develops a fiercely protective bond with the child, and soon the two set out on a journey together, their mission to search for other human survivors, to deliver the child to her people, and to enjoy the trip for all the- Yes! 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 
Yes! Uh, uh, okay, uh, okay, well, so, uh, basically just Somali the forest spirit, but replace the gold with a robot, okay? Fuck! Yes! Post-apocalyptic found father story about a robot and a little girl! That's... That's what it's about, baby! That's what's uh. all it's about! Fuck all this other garbage! Give me more of that! Give me more of that! Yeah! Okay. Yeah! Oh, yeah. I needed that so bad! And then there is a livid lady's guide to getting even. How I crushed my homeland with my mighty grimoires. Okay, hang on. Let me. Oh. Mm. Mm. Ah! Elizabeth Lyston, the dog. Oh, nope, that was a bad idea. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> uh. uh. I don't care. No, that, 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 no. Through the viewpoint, I need that. That one's good. I don't even care about this next one. It's probably, f okay. All right, let's move on. Oh, there's actually a couple other things here. Okay, uh, yeah. A says of a bookworm. Uh, recording and mixing for the audiobook is done. Waiting on approvals. Reba Burr is narrating. Uh, there was a light novel contest. Cool. But there's one last thing here, the big one. So yeah, the 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 bookworm novel is known. I think that's being done at Sound Cadence. It's cool they got Rainbow Burr back. And light novel contest sounds cool. I have no strong feelings about it, but Katakawa, head editor, author of Tanya the Evil, and Frog Coon, aka Kim Morse, are the uh, judges, and I think that's neat. Yeah. Then we come to the big one of their panel: the novels of Chivalry of a Failed Knight. So this is the big one because when Soul Press was around, without a doubt, their biggest title was that they acquired the rights to Chivalry of a Failed Knight, which was a well was a pretty well acclaimed anime when it was premiering, and people were actually pretty big fans of the light novel series in itself. But the big thing with Soul Press going under, all of those things expired, and the the translation could not be saved if the license was saved. So they straight up confirmed we have rescued the license of Chivalry of a Failed Knight and it's getting a brand new translation to boot. So I don't think everything from Soul Press's catalog has been license rescued yet, but this is definitely the biggest title that was still remaining. And I think they've got like 90% of the catalog has at this point been rescued by either like J Novel, Yen Press, or Kodacha. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Neat. I feel bad not reading that last one, but like, God, I read so many of these that were just so dog shit. And after reading the high, that was, oh, the yes, found father post-apocalyptic story about a fucking robot. I'm like, no, fuck you. That's the best one. Uh, yeah, there's only so much terrible uh, press copy we can stomach before. Uh... Yeah. So, that's Shade Novel Club. Now we go to Dempa. Thankfully, they only have two titles here we're talking about, and they're both very interesting. The first one is Odd Taxi. Yeah, so Dempa's got the uh, manga adaptation of the critically acclaimed Odd Taxi, and that's pretty god dang cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they also got uh, Furry Gay Shit, Wolfpack. 
Man, so like Kuma is definitely a good moneymaker for them too, alongside their uh, sugar daddy Faku. <laughs> By the way, there's one thing I do want to mention uh, that's pretty neat about this. There are some interesting things in the Q&A. Probably the most interesting thing was about their title, Heavenly Delusion. Before that anime premiered, it sold like dog shit. Before the anime premiered, that actually was doing very poorly for them and was not moving a lot of units at all, but they made the risky decision to reprint it as soon as the anime was announced as a kind of Hail Mary to see how things would go. Yeah, the anime boosted sales a lot of Heavenly Delusion, and that's now Uh actually like a really successful title for them. So, like, good anime can move units if you, like actually work with it so the anime being as good as it was probably saved a pretty fledgling manga company from like a pretty big financial bomb and I think that's pretty goddamn cool it is love to see it and I will continue to support this company because they have March comes in like a lion at this point I'm just waiting for the second volume to ship out for me mm-hmm yeah, so there's that. Now we move on to Kodansha USA. They have titles. They do. Let's see what titles they have and go from there. Well, we will start with the Spellbook Library. In the world of the Spellbook Library, Spellbook Librarians protect townsfolk from dangerous spell beasts, sealing them in spell books that hold more than just spell magic. When he was a child, troublemaker Jan was attacked by a ferocious spell beast until he was rescued by a group of spellbook librarians. Inspired by the librarian's heroic efforts, Jan vows to turn over a new lease and become a spellbook librarian to repay their kindness. On the day of his employment, he meets Toru, a mysterious young boy who has his own reasons for wanting to work at the library. Together, Jan and Toru set off to join the ranks of the Spellbrook Library and begin the long journey to learn what it takes to become a Spellbrook Librarian. Take a shot every time they say Spellbook. <laughs> this one seems like it could be fun. I just think it's very silly that they say the, they're Spellbooks and spell beasts. Like that, that's, that's a little silly. That's not, like, a deal-breaker. I, I think silly's better than some of the, the dregs I was reading about earlier. Now, this one is actually pretty interesting to me. Because look at yeah. who that story author is. Yeah, from one versus. Centuries ago, humanity's natural enemy, demons, invade the world and oppressed humankind. The great demon lord and 47 subordinates known as demon lords have since dominated the world, while the human race lives on in fear. In desperation, a last-ditch effort for humanity's very survival is placed in the hands of 47 people gathered from across the world. These heroes will oppose the demon army and win back humanity's freedom or die trying. Simple-sounding premise. You sometimes see a simple premise, and then you see who's attached to it, and you're like, okay, that alone makes me interested. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty good guess. Oh, yep. I love this. I love <laughs> all of this. Oh, yeah. fucking. Next one is, I'm going to try and say it right. Pup Osits Attract. Just fucking hook it up into my veins, why don't you? Chiharu Kakura is content spending her days with her sweetie of a Rottweiler that probably weighs about as much as she does. Meanwhile, Kiyotaka Suji 
can't get enough of his fluffy Pomeranian that barely comes up to his knees. When these two mismatched pairs chance up encounter at the park, could it be the start of an unlikely friendship or maybe something more? Just fucking, just fucking break that into powder and let me snort it into my very being. That's that that's that's the good shit. Just fucking, fucking give it to me. Sorry, sorry about that. Having a little withdrawal there. <laughs> okay. Next is the boy I loved became the jaded emperor. After witnessing the death of the woman who saved him as a child, Prince Alexei vows revenge and turns bitter and jaded, eventually taking the throne and becoming emperor. Little does he know the woman who saved him was reborn as the daughter of a duke, a taciturn young lady with a secret. When fate throws them together, will they recognize each other or will their jaded past keep them apart? I'm going to say that's 50-50 on intrigue to eh. Hmm. All right, next is Snow and Ink. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm already skimming through. Okay, what's what are we working with here? Accused of slaughtering an entire village, a sardonic criminal resigned to his life, lot in life is mysteriously bought by the daughter of a wealthy family. She too has been shunned by the world and saw in him a suitable companion for her journey to the barren north. While they both carry a certain darkness in their heart that may be what allows them to find solace in each other. Ooh! Ooh! That'd be interesting. Yeah! Ooh, that's... Ooh! Ooh, I like... That sounds like that could be juicy. Mm-hmm. Alright, next is a one-shot from the creator of Sweat and Soap, Home Office Romance. Buy! Instant buy! Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god, Sweated Soap's great. Okay, fucking instant. Nokuru is finally afforded the chance to telework at home due to the pandemic lockdown. Rediscovering old passions and new hobbies, Nokuru is, alu- is allured by his next-door neighbor, Natsu. From the creator of Sweated Soap, the standalone volume showcases two adults building a relationship when most human-to-human interaction was halted. Even it feels like a tall tale to find romance at. Oh, yeah, fucking, fucking give it. Yep, yeah, gimme, gimme. Give me. Okay. Next we have Kusunoki's flunking her high school glow up. Keisuke Shizuki and Shizuka Kusunoki are taking high schools by storm with their good looks, but they share a dark secret. They are both total outcasts in middle school. While Shizuki has succeeded in making himself over inside and out, clearing the slate of his past life, Kusunoki is still struggling to develop social skills to match her appearance. She's eager for Shizuki's help. If only he could get over his phobia of pretty girls. Could be funny, maybe? This is a 50-50 of could be good, could be crap. Hmm. Alright, now we have... Read it right. I'm I'm gonna try. Spoil me, please, Hinamori-san. Ichigo Hinamori has always looked up to her senpai, Yaya Soyu, for her poise, impeccable grades, and kind heart. But that all changes the day Ichigo stumbles upon Yaya, wailing like a little kid in the nervous room. Turns out everybody's favorite honor student is desperate to get off her pedestal and be spoiled rotten instead. And she's now hoping Ichigo will be the one to indulge. Okay. Wacky Yuri shenanigans. I could... I could I'm down. And we have here Sheltering Eves. Ah, this one definitely looks like a shoujo for sure. Uh, at the age of 10, Yoru was sent to live in a children's home due to abuse from her mother. Yeah, definitely shoujo. 
Tenjaku, a boy who is the same age, takes Yoru under his wig. Now in their second year of high school, Yoru and Tenjaku only have a year left before they must leave the children's home. From the creator perfect world, this story follows a pure romance that has blossomed in an unfair and cruel world as it explores Japanese society's treatment of those who are most innocent. Alright, that sounds juicy. <clears throat> okay. Yep. And we also have the Euroline April Omnibus. Yeah, that's cool. Euroline April is a big deal. Gets a big book. Yep, all those are coming out in the fall. And uh Newly announced digital releases as well, which are, I think, also getting fall print releases. Uh, oh, there's more to talk about. Okay. That's what, what it says on here. Anyway, there is uh, Saya Bito, Swords of Destiny, and Don't Tempt Me, VP. All right. I could read more of these, but I think right now I, my throat needs a little second to recover. Well, there's one more book section here to go through. Oh, there is. Yen Press. Okay, yes, I should save this for Yen. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Oh, okay. Uh, these are all sets released in May, starting with the Bungo Stray Dogs official anthology manga. Yeah, Bungo Stray Dogs is a big fucking franchise when it comes to the uh, multimedia, so not surprised it's got a anthology of creators doing stories within the Bungo Stray Dogiverse. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is now uh, currently dawning on me, and I had actually thought about it. Man, when you really sit and think about it, Boogo Street Dogs only has one less season in My Hero Academia does right now. Yeah, like, here's the thing. We're... Okay, no, actually, I'm going to save this conversation for uh, later in the conversation. You'll know where. Yeah. Okay, next is Stays with My Stepsister. All right, I need to read this because I don't actually know what the deal is. After his father's remarriage, high school student Yuta suddenly finds himself step-siblings with his classmate Saki. However, unlike the plain and simple Yuta, his new younger sister has an over-the-top sense of style, known as the hottest girl in the grade. Due to past trauma, Yuta isn't great at talking to women and at first is perplexed by this new family member who seems to be his complete opposite. But as the two settle into a shared lifestyle, could they relate? Alright, alright. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Goblin Slayer spinoff, A Day in the Life. And your favorite, Alex, more sword art. Oh, good. More of, like, re-ancrap? Is this like the third attempt with what they're trying to do here? Come on. I feel like it's just got a... Yeah, alright. I don't know. Um, okay, there's the kept man of the Princess Knight. The dungeon calls and is answered by adventurer, profiteers, and anybody looking to make a quick buck. And this town, inhabited by the dregs of society, lives a man and the woman who owns him. Arwen, the Crimson Princess Knight, with lofty dreams of restoring her homeland, and Matthew, the town drunk. As Arwen challenges the dungeon, Matthew spends his day in taverns and brothels living off the money he gets from her. But the town Lathingstock has a side that no one knows about. In service of Arwen, Matthew would do anything, no matter how dirty he might get. So basically, the unassuming secret agent. Hmm. I'm not gonna say no. There is potential for that. Okay. And then there is No Game, No Life, Chapter 2, Eastern Union. It's a sequel spin-off? Kind of, I think. All right, it's more No Game, No Life. It's another big addition yeah. to that series. 
All right. A couple light novels here, uh, starting with Brunhild the Dragon Slayer. Eden, a place of perfection. A place where man and beast live side by side in harmony. Eden's protector, the Silver Dragon, regularly visits retribution upon those... Re- oh, regu- regularly visits? Reg- wouldn't it be regularly delivers retribution? Regularly delivers retribution upon those who would bring harm to paradise. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. But when the dragon discovers a human girl on the shores of Eden, he decides to raise her as his own. He teaches her that if she is to be welcomed into God's kingdom after death, she must not harbor hatred in her heart. When the dragon's life is mercilessly stuffed out by human machinations, the girl must choose whether to heed the dragon's dying wish and stay the course of righteousness or walk a path of vengeance. Hmm. All right. Okay. all right. Sure. And next is the god of Nishi Uigahama Station. On the first day of spring, a train derails, causing numerous deaths. Two months later, rumors spread of a ghost at Nishi Uigahama Station with the power to send others back in time to the day of the terrible accident. The story attracts a woman who lost her fiance, a man who lost his father, and a boy who lost his unrequited love. A chance to go back to see those dear to them seems almost too good to be true. What will they do now that they have it? Ooh, hoo, hoo. Hmm. You can tell okay. when some of these are like, man, that yeah, I can I can work with I can fuck with that. Okay. Next with some saucy artwork, Guillotine Bride. Oh, this is either going to be trashy or edgy, no in between. Rene has been sentenced to death. That's what the Dragon Princess stories has ended. Instead, she's blown out of the sky on route to her execution and winds up in front of Ryanosuke. The young boy has no time to be shocked by this wild development because the dragon girl needs him to lend her hand in marriage. For the sake of the world, Ryanosuke has to marry Rinne and smother her with love because if he fails to keep her in check, the entire human race will probably go istic. Oh, God. Dick the dragon for the sake of humankind. Okay, and we have two more manga titles here. She likes gays, but not me. Based on the equivocally claimed novel, high schooler Atsushi Ando has always hidden the fact that he's gay. One day, he sees his classmate Saimura with a BL book, small moment with major consequences. Atsushi longs for a normal life with a loving wife and a biological child, but what can he do when he's not turned on by... Okay. Okay, so we've got potential for uh, queer exploration. Mm-hmm. Hi. And we have Friday at the Atelier. Tamaki, a woman who's grown tired with her life, is one day asked by the famous painter Shunsui Ishihara to become his model. And not just any model, a nude model. But when she accepts without hesitation, Ishihara is taken by her peculiar response and somehow falls for her. The misaligned love story between an oblivious girl and a handsome but extremely self-conscious artist begins... Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay, so... That's the impress for you. You can tell where my interests align when it comes to manga and uh, light novels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they also announced audiobooks coming in May for Brand New the Seven Spellblades, Bungo Street Dogs, and Bacano. Holy shit, Bacano! Holy shit, Bacano audiobook. That's actually like, like, Bunga makes sense. Reign of the Seven Bell- Spellblades is relatively recent, also makes sense. Bacano, holy shit, though. So, like, 
Yet Press is actually pretty good about getting original voice actors to do, like, not, not all of them, but, like, a good majority of them. Who would you get for Bacchino? I don't think you could get away with every single actor from the Bacchino dub. I think that's a little unrealistic and improbable. But, if I may, for the consideration of the council, I would like to propose two recurring characters, one of which is played by an actor who's already working on an audiobook for Splice and Wolf. Isaac and Miria. Uh, there's one thing the most obvious choices. J. Michael Tatum and Caitlin Glass for the Bacchino audiobook, Please and Thanks. And I'm going to guess Boongo's probably going to be Max Middleman and Keiji Tang. Uh, Rain? I, I know Drew Breedlove's still relatively recent, but like they've worked with like a bunch of people from the Dallas Spirit before. I think Hayden Davio just announced that uh, they're doing the Goblin Slayer book, so anything's possible. But yeah, holy shit, Bacchino audiobooks. God damn, that's... Fucking love to see it. Yeah. Alright, so there. That that's all of our uh, book stuff. We're done with that. So we can move on to uh, the other things. Starting with an update for Sandland. We know the movie is a thing, but now we know there will be an anime television series from the movie that has been already signed on for Disney Plus, which means over here it'll be on Hulu. Hey, guess what? My prediction several months ago about hey, this might be something that Disney might want to splurge on. Guess what? I was fucking right. I was just right. That being said, boy, this is fucking confusing. This is very confusing because it's like, oh hey, we know the Sandland movie is coming out. I figured it was just going to be the Sandland movie. Apparently, the movie is getting recut into a TV series. And that's going to be what we get from Hulu slash Disney. Yeah? That seems to be what the language is implying, but it's very confusing the way they've explained that. It seems to basically be they are cutting the movie into a TV series. Yeah, it's uh weird. It's weird. We also know an English dub is already in the works, and I'm very curious to know if the video game cast is going to stay consistent with the anime cast. Okay, we shall uh, find out in due time. I'm, I'm excited to check this out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this next thing here, we're going to build up to it. We are, because this is a... This is a saga. Yeah, What this, this began with... The highest of highs. It all started from a preview video being uploaded on YouTube that wasn't set to private. Yeah. And it was a preview video for a new series of The Great Pretender. If you remember that from a couple years ago on Netflix. Yes, I do remember Great Pretender. That is a show that I consider... I'm not going to say it's a perfect show. It's got some noticeable flaws. But like... I still really liked it quite a lot. I liked its world. I liked its cast of characters. I actually thought it was pretty compelling. And honestly, now that I've rewatched it, I realized Great Pretender kind of scratched a fucking Black Lagoon itch I had been missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, this new series, Great Pretender Razbliuto. There we go, that's how you say it. I need to correct you on something, because there actually is something that was clarified. 
at the premiere, which the which the panel. Oh uh, yeah, but you probably don't ask me to go to that premiere. Why did you lead with that? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna speak for you like I knew about it, and you're like, oh yeah, I, I just went to that. Why would you not fucking lead with that, bro? Okay, so I, I guess we're building up to it still, but it's not a TV series. It's not a season. Uh, yeah, it is. In fact, it seems to, in fact, be a movie. Uh, so, uh, uh. Uh, yeah, it's a movie. Uh, Roll is going to be bringing it to theaters sometime next year. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, uh, that means uh, no excuse to not get the dubcast back. Okay, okay. So, we are... Okay, so yeah, th- that confused me a bit because I, I knew it said it would premiere in Japan on DMM TV, which makes me think, okay, is that going to be like a television series? But no, it's just like a like a like, it's just like a a streaming platform. Yeah. I thought it was odd when they said they were premiering the first twenty minutes. It was like, why? W- that's just an episode. Why would you not say episode one? And it's like, oh, because it's not episode one. It's the first twenty minutes of a feature film. Okay. Uh, what does Razablito mean? I think they actually announced what that term means. Like, uh, yeah, I think they said it meant something in... I believe it was Russian. I'd have to double-check that. I need to double-check that because I feel the actual meaning of Razablito is actually integral to what they're going for, which in itself is interesting. Okay, I, I, got, it. I, I, got, it. I got it here. It is, in fact... Uh, a Russian term, the sentimental feeling you have about someone you once loved but no longer do. That's the that's the loose definition of what the word means. Okay. That means a lot given who this movie is going to be centered yeah, around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 talk about it from the story perspective first. Before we go into some of the other stuff, let's talk about the story of Great Pretender, because it's a show I'm actually pretty partial. I really like the characters. I like the world building a lot. They left one crumb of room for a potential sequel, but I was kind of content and satisfied if we never got any more. The one crumb of sequel was the reveal that a character named Dorothy, who was uh, who was like the lover and wife or like fiance of one of the main characters in Great Pretender was tragically killed at sea. Only she was not tragically killed at sea. She was near dead, wound up rescued in another country with amnesia. Hmm. As you do. So that was like the end singer of Great Pretender was that they found out she was alive and she found like a ring that was unfamiliar to her because, uh, her fiance, who had finally like gotten his comeuppance on the person who quote unquote killed her, threw the ring in the ocean as a way of finally deciding to let go of the past. Hmm. So that is in itself a pretty interesting scenario in regards to the continuation of the story of Great Pretender. So let that's what I'm talking about in the story. Next we need to talk about the 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 subject matter of the dub cast especially in regards to the matter that we now know netflix is no longer involved in anything regarding the great Retender project yeah this is a case where we have the the goddamn monkey's paw 
curling up because yes, this is a Crunchyroll uh, acquisition, and I'm. I, th- I think we know how they feel about Union Dubcast. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Let's let's have a little talk for a second. So let me let me at least preface this by saying this. I think Great Pretender is a fantastic dub. Honestly, one of the best ones that NYAV Post has actually ever produced. Here's the reality of the situation: If Netflix got the rights to the Razbliotto movie. NYAV Post wasn't coming back. Because NYAV Post, as of last year, is no longer a Netflix dubbing partner studio. They haven't been since, like, the Vampire in the Garden series. Mm. Which is bittersweet in and of itself, but I feel like you could have potentially gotten, like, another studio with people who were at NYAV Post to potentially return to do that. But we now know that uh, this uh, Crunchyroll is going to be involved with the distribution for this in a bunch of countries. And it will be in theaters in North America in 2024. So let me talk about that. There are too many variables at play about what to do about that. I will say Great Pretender's dub is interesting in that there are several actors in the main core cast of characters who are not anime actors, they are specifically union actors that were brought on to this project. I'd say the likes of Kosser Muhammad and Aaron J. Phillips do not regularly do anime. They are just like union actors. I think Kosser Muhammad in particular, she's like, does CW shows. Like, that's like, she's like a main character on like a recent season of Legends of Tomorrow, for example. They are typically non they're typically union actors for other non-anime related things. So getting those two back if they showed up in this, you would definitely need a union cast. Also, one of the other major players in the core group of characters is Laura Post, which um I feel like we talked about her relationship with Crunchyroll in the past, so uh that's worth noting. As far as people that I believe could reasonably be brought back in the worst case scenario, this was a non-union dub. Alan Lee is all, has regularly worked with Crunchyroll recently. I think he popped up in Motherfucker Ghost, but he also reprised his role in, uh, in uh, Season 2 of Duke of Death. So Alan Lee loves Great Pretender and probably could easily come back regardless. And Laura Stahl, who is the voice of Dorothy, who will be the main character of this movie. She has worked with Crunchyroll in regards to reprising Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 3 in-house and is still regularly the voice of my good best boy son, Irma Suzuki in Welcome to Demon School, Irma Kun, which is an L.A.-based dub, but non-union. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I will say, again, uh, they only show the first 20 minutes, so that's anyone's guess exactly who will show up. Yeah, yeah, you have more context than I do. I'm just spitballing off of a poster. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just saying, for right now, as far as who they would immediately need back, uh, definitely Laura Soul, and Edward uh, Moore does show up, so probably Alan Lee. So, so, so far, those are the only two, uh, like... Like Abby's alluded to, like over a phone call, so they might not. That's a. So they could maybe potentially get away with someone else if they needed to there, but like, yeah. I would still ideally like the cast of characters back, and especially this. This one's a feature film. Is it, yeah, is it, uh, is it, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it is worth noting that while Crunchyroll is a very, has been extremely particular and like very draconian about like. No remote recording or like outsourcing to studios would allow their TV shows. 
They have made more flexible with movies, like do you keep in mind Susan May ended up with Bang Zoom and uh Is a Union Project. And a Union Project and uh it is worth noting that while it has been a couple has been a couple of years, uh if you remember uh the uh Gundam Tiny Gundam movie based off that one like episode that Domino kind of wished everyone forgot that about. That was an NYAV post stub and it was Union. Yeah, NYAV post, that was Union, and uh, they specifically credited Crunchyroll for that, so uh Crunchyroll can't do it if they want to. So, they could not do the thing, which would be a bummer, which if they don't do the thing, there are several actors, but the biggest one for this case, Laura Stahl could come back because she does do non-union stuff, but they also could actually probably do a union dub for Great Pretender Last Vito if they wanted to. I wanted to at least give a little benefit of a doubt... Because it's not as cut and dry as we think it is. Let's now go into the uh, three new partners for this project, and let's just let's just go into it. Uh, yeah, this is when the monkey's paw curls for a second time, in the sense of what I'm going to describe as payola. For 16 countries in the Mena regions of the U.S. of the world, I'm stumbling over my words. The master license for this has gone to Manga Productions. I... I'm sorry to you Grendizer fans that I was kind of like not giving the benefit of the doubt to. I was like, that sucks, but it's an old mecha series. This one sucks for me. This one sucks for me so fucking much. Okay, uh, okay, uh, okay. I mean, it is at least worth noting it when they were specifically credited for distribution and nothing else, so it's not like they paid for the thing, but it still sucks. Now, I see that. And to me, this sounds like a simple, hey, we'll give you this so we can have this. Essentially giving some monetary incentivization to have something that they can say, hey, we've got this. I It's not great, but it's better than the alternative. It, it, it sounds like they want, it sounds like Baga Bu wants to get into flight thing, so I guess they're trying to take over distribution for like so- Middle East stuff now, which they great which is not great uh, at all but i guess it's better than them like being what i thought it was and producing it outright but yeah so this is a new production i'm genuinely shocked that th- they are making more great pretender at all because this was like a th- uh, 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 yeah, to which, uh this might not be this might not necessarily be over yet I can't say I'm terribly surprised, but that's gonna make oh that's oh that's gonna make things more complicated, isn't it? Uh, All right, fun. Yeah. So, great pretender Rasby. That's a fun word to say. Uh, I'm not worried about Laura Stahl and Alan Lee. It's a lot of other major characters I'm worried about coming back and reprising. But I can't say how much it sucks. Knowing that, like, a lot of the cool nerd things that I'm into and a lot of people I am close to are really into will continue to have genuine blood money poured into producing or licensing or distribution or co creating or co producing or just fucking. It sucks. 
I think I'm not saying you have to not watch Great Pretender anymore. I'm just saying I'm all I can do is just acknowledge it. I acknowledge that Manga Productions, which is owned by the Saudi Crown Prince, is partially involved in this anime original project, which I'm really a fan of and never thought I would get to see more of. And boy, that's a hard, tough pill to swallow. And this is not going to be the last time we're going to have to deal with it because it's going to be the mecha fans. It's going to be the great, the auteur original anime fans. It's already the fucking SNK fans who I think are already completely owned by like Saudi, like the Saudis anyway. Nintendo's got a majority share or like a partial share from them anyways. You just, there's no escaping this anymore. And that just feels bad. That just feels really, really shitty. Yeah, it's not fun. I'm still going to check this out, and fuck, if they even put this out in theaters and dub it, I I will check it out. Fuck me though, just uh, it's a bitter pill to swallow. I like I like I wasn't upset. Like here's the thing. The possibility uh, the possibility when this was announced was is Netflix even going to pick this up was already in my head. So I was kind of embracing for the possibility that Crunchyroll was going to get this instead of Netflix. I was bra- bracing myself for that. Seeing manga productions attached, I wasn't fucking braced for that at all. That one knocked me on my ass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm glad that the wit that Wit Studios is still really attached to the Great Pretender project to get a chance to make more. It's really bittersweet under all of the circumstances attached. That's what I have to say about that. Well, that was a mouthful, but uh, it was probably the thing I was uh, most ready to go to bat for. Okay, so we move on to. Uh, all the good stuff now. We're, we're finally at all the good stuff. It took, it took two hours, but we're finally here. There is stuff for Toonami in the new year confirmed. Holy shit, they're actually getting stuff. Yeah, uh, the, the obvious one is that uh, Demon Slayer Season 2 will continue with uh, the Don't Call It Red Light District arc on January 13th. Yeah. Yeah, no. Seem to be expected, even though what nothing is for certain nowadays. But what's cooler on uh, January twentieth? Let's go, lesbians! Licorice Recoil is airing on Tsunami. Yeah, holy shit! I actually, I actually didn't even consider Licorice Recoil for Tsunami at all. But wow, hooray! Yeah, yeah, that's a fun surprise there. Actually, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, that's a cool choice. The Toonami crowd's gonna get a heaping hell thing of lesbian lesbian pan, uh, pining, not pandering. I'm actually not gonna say pandering for that. I'm gonna say lesbian pining. As approved by one Mr. Hideo Kojima. I love that Kojima <laughs> is just a fucking champ and dork for things he really likes. Licorice recoil, the Licorice Recoil like, buddy shirt with another guy was really funny too. Uh, so yeah, cool, cool stuff. It's clear we don't have enough 
to go off of, of a future Licorice Recoil project. It's coming, but we don't have anything right now. But hey, Licorice Recoil on Toonami. Genuine surprise there. I'm happy to see that at least... I get the impression that there is some kind of like exclusivity window between Anaplex of America streaming dubs on Crunchyroll exclusively for like a limited window of time before that opens up for other platforms because that's when you get like Netflix gets the new season of Demon Slayer like a year later or something like that and I think the same applies for Toonami so I'm glad that Anaplex of America for all we shit talk them and we will continue to shit talk about them even tonight um they still at least have a good working relationship with Toonami, which I saw somebody saying, man, Licorice seems a weird fit for Toonami, and it's like, man, the fucking Discovery era of Warner Brothers and Sony taking all of Crunchyroll's toys home has fucked them royally. Let them have the lesbians. Here, here. Okay, and more good news. At the uh, new Pity and Stocking panel, we got confirmation my Yonayama and Sushio are returning to work on the new project, which is good. Yeah, they're just they're just bringing the whole band back together. It's not surprising. <laughs> it's fantastic. It sounds like they're at least already having a little fun, and the vibe I'm getting is this is already a very cathartic project for Ibaishi after the kind of the kind of downer that was working on uh, uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yeah. Apparently there were some uh, production sketches at the panel, so uh, a little bit of a sneak peek before this comes out in a couple years. I believe that. I I feel like it's probably going to be late 2024, mid-2025. That's my guess. Okay, uh, next here. Sort of tangentially re- uh, announced at Anime NYC through uh, a couple other uh, panels and campaigns at the uh, convention. Plus size misadventures in love is getting an anime in the very near future. Oh, that's I don't have I have a lot of strong feelings about that one, but that seems like a neat project. We also got word of the new Bones project that's uh, apparently going to be a very prestige project. So this one's very interesting. I actually did a lot of research into this one in particular. Let's introduce it. Yes, the series is The Magical Girl and the Evil Lieutenant Used to Be Arch Enemies from late author Koko Fujiwara. So this is a series that was apparently in the works several years ago, but work halted because of the sudden passing of the mangaka, which the mangaka had previously done series like Inu Boku Secret Service. So, the premise of this one is quite literally a magical girl is at war with like an evil organization, but one day she confronts like a, a guy in the in the army, and then they kind of fall in love with each other. So, do you like magical girls? And do you like love after world domination? Boom. There you go. I'm so old. Here's what's also interesting about this project in particular. I'm going to talk about some of the interesting things about this project before kind of calling some people out. So, 
Apparently, the author was a big fan of Bones in particular, and even met with like the head of the studio and like really kind of like admired their work. And I think they were even supposed to work on this years ago, but it stopped because of the her passing. But then they restarted it years later as a way to kind of like pay tribute to her and sort of like keep the project going in her memory. And I think that in itself is pretty sweet. They also announced that I think their goal was to actually get like a main staff of like majority female like directors, writers and stuff. And like, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Mayuko from Cells at Work, including the music. Haruko Izuka from Horimiya designed the characters. Yuniko Ayana from Bang Dream in charge of the script and series composition. And Akio Ohashi from The Stranger by the Shore directing. Okay, yeah. So if they got The Stranger by the Shore director doing this series, mm-hmm. that shit's going to be tender as fuck. Uh-huh. Maybe not a, maybe not as much loop prepping as that one, but like it's got to be tender as hell. So that already mm. sounds like a pretty delightful crew in and of itself. So Bones is working on this with Avex Pictures. Anyways, now it's time for the call-out post. Yeah, guess what? Everybody that was going off about the fact that a new studio Bones anime was going to be announced and then people throwing a hissy fit about this not being the anime sequel or like hot shonen adaptation they were hoping it was going to be can kind of shut the fuck up, actually. Uh, people. Like, here's the thing. Nobody paid attention to the other thing. It's not just a new Bones anime. It's a new Bones and Avex Pictures anime, which... Bones hasn't worked with Avex a lot in the past, so it, there wasn't like an immediate like sequel to a past project you could predict. So it could it be a sequel to something Avex hasn't produced already? And secondly, like as far as like big IPs, guess what? We had a conversation about how much Mappa is shitting the bed because it keeps stuffing itself with so many shonen IPs that it literally is drowning in hype. It's drowning in the expectation of shonen fan anticipation. Guess what? Studio Bones is not the shonen anime factory people think it is. Yes, they have kept at it with making My Hero Academia for many years. Yes, they have continued to make Bungo Stray Dogs for many years. But while those projects, like, pay the bills and dividends, Bones does so many different genre-style shows, original anime, and, like, unique, like, genre adaptations that, like, people don't give them credit for the variety of shit they do. Yeah, yeah, you have to realize that, like, that Mavic My Hero is actually, like, an outlier. It is actually extremely weird that they have done a show to jump. Like, it's, it's common now, but, like, it was a big deal when you saw Studio Bones get a Shonen Jump anime. Like, that was a big deal. And, like, I, I saw a comment from somebody that pointed it out to me. I need to go digging for this. So, Jet, please uh, continue talking about this point I have brought up while my computer tries to load it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, do the people call, do the people complaining, uh, yeah, give it a rest. It's not worth it. This is like, this is a little, little Patrick 
as a project. Uh, I think people I people today. just assume that because this exists, the sequel they want isn't happening because this little magical girl romance series is happening, and that's why Noragami Season 3 hasn't happened. It's like, no, that's not how that works. Shut the fuck up. Uh, Let Bones cook. Let Bones is the prestige. Bones is what Mappa wants to be and never, ever will be. It's worth noting that an old comment from the president of Studio Bones in the past that the three most important series to the history of Studio Bones, in his opinion, is the original Full Metal Alchemist, Wolf's Reign, and Oron High School Host Club. That is a credible amount of variety for a popular shonen anime, a popular shoujo romance series, and an original IP that, like, is very dark and dreary. Bones has variety in spades and is willing to build the talent and the new interesting projects while also continuing to support the ones that, like, make money and profit. Metallic Rogue looks fucking cool. Go support that. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that premiere, but uh, I guess I look forward to it. In a Just moment. like, stop trying to make Bones into MAPPA. Why do people want Bones to be MAPPA? Bones is a success and a respected tentpole in the anime industry because it is Bones, because it has variety, because for all the like high-profile shonen stuff it continues to do, it continues to experiment with like unique adaptations and original anime that like people don't give them credit for. And they deserve all the credit and respect for that. So yes, I'm going to watch this cute show about the magical girl who falls in love with the evil army guy, and then there's a cute romantic tender drama to it. A, because I think this is a wonderful passion project that is clearly a labor of love to honor a creator who died far too soon, finally getting to see a lost work of hers get adapted for the very first time. And B... Dude, I'm never getting any more love after world domination. This is going to scratch that itch, something fierce. Uh, yeah. All right, thanks for letting me speak on that. Yeah, that was uh, another mouthful. And we'll 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 bring the realist back in with another Avex Pictures project, this time with Tatsunoko, Pole Princess. A pole dancing anime project it's basically what if uh gotcha anime but pole dancing yeah i mean there's a net series on youtube and it's gonna get a movie it's gonna be released internationally yeah it's pole dancing i'm sure not i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of fun uh image uh caps for this one i'm sure Mm -hmm. there will be Okay, now for the big one. Studio Trigger was not just the anime NYC to talk about panty and stocking. They were there to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Kill la Kill and talk about the Gurren Lagan movies. We now know these movies will be screening in theaters here in the U.S. 
on January 16th and 17th and January 23rd and 24th with their new uh, 4K restorations, also in 4DX years, wherever you have them, with an English dub. Let's fucking go. Yeah, and uh, if you want to know who's in it, you already know who's in it. So... There's a couple of questions for, like, the grand scheme of things. By the time we hit the second movie, the biggest question is going to be, who's the anti-spiral? Because Dave Mallow is hard-retired and has been retired for years. So I think Dave Mallow is going to be the biggest, probably, new cast member. But as far as the main cast, uh, Sam Regal as Viral's back. Johnny Young Bosch as Rosie's back. Uh, Michelle Ruff as Yoko's back. Kyle Barris Barris is back. Simon as uh, Yuri Lowenthal as Simon is back, and Nia is back as Brit as back being played by Bridget Hoffman, notably her second VA because I don't think they they're able to get a hold of Hinden Welch anymore. Yeah, At this point, I think Ink Bridget's actually done more Nia lines than I think Hinden did. But hey, that's still that's hey, they got Bridget Hoffman back. They got the band back together for a bunch of these integral characters. Yeah, they so, even uh, got yeah, the director uh, yeah, back. Gonna, yeah, so, yeah, I do I am definitely curious to hear how Bridget plays the younger person because I'm pretty sure she only played the older one. Correct. That is very cool. And um I can't believe they're finally doing this after like fucking fifteen years. Yeah, like now I don't know if Amplex America is going to commit to doing like a 4K Blu-ray release of those movies. Oh, they will. Uh, like, I'm going to be honest, the fact that they're advertising 4K, I'm pretty sure we're going to learn what a Aniplex of America 4K Blu-ray is going to cost. Well, if slash when that happens, I'm going to pull out the wallet for it. I'm going to guess $60 for two movies. Hmm. I mean, the average price for a 4K movie releasing new is about 30 to $35. Yes, so. but we're also working with Anaplex of America's self-imposed yeah, inflation. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, it's okay. Uh, just, uh, just to be on the safe side, I'm going to wrap it up and say 80. All right, so 80 for, well, 80 for two movies, I guess that makes sense. I'm going to say 60 that's where I'm going to say. I know they're older movies, but they're also new dubs and 4K restorations. I think they're going to want to make their money back on those new uh, dubs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on whether those have actual extras or not. Fair enough. I'm excited that this exists. I'm so fucking hyped this exists. This is... <laughs> my relationship with Anaplex of America this year is all over the fucking place. For every good thing they're doing, they do a bafflingly stupid thing. So, the Gurren Lagon movies finally getting dubbed, finally getting the original cast back, probably for the majority, back in the seat. All these years later, has earned enough goodwill that I'm not angry about the next thing we're going to talk about, but I am fucking baffled at this series of events. <laughs> yeah, so that's our Anime NYC uh, stuff. We'll see you next year for of the summer version. We move, on, we move on to our final bit, our home video stuff, and we start with an update on the ever-stupid Rascal Blu-ray drama that nobody seems to have gotten right at all. I can't... I can't believe... 
this made it to print. Yeah, so if you don't remember, uh, we got word in the original uh, press rollout that Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai getting a Blu-ray release would have an English dub. Only to find out that no, that was incorrect, and everybody got it wrong. From Right Stuff, from Crunchyroll, from even Anaplex. It's it's still in the video description, by the way, that it's got an English Gosh. dub produced by Bang Zoom. Well, the Blu-ray releases have hit uh, print. They've been shipped out to people who have bought them, and as it turns out, even the Blu-ray box lists English audio that doesn't exist. Remember how we were shitting on Crunchyroll about the Bochi debacle? But that was also because we didn't have a physical thing in front of us. Yeah, the Bochi is going to come out, and it's going to say it's Japanese with English subtitles properly. I can't believe this hit market and has the wrong language to okay so like this yeah, was yeah, yeah. this 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 at this point it, it feels like there absolutely had to have been a dub at some point and then for some reason or or another it got scrapped that it really feels like that had to be that is a hundred percent what is happening this doesn't happen we shit on anaplex of america sometimes justifiably they don't do this this doesn't happen Ever. What the fuck happened? Yeah, uh, it's also on the box. It says to you that the movie has uh, a 3.0 liner PCM channel audio track, which uh, typos everywhere. Good Lord. But uh, yeah, in regards to this dub issue... It either exists and it wasn't ready in time. It doesn't exist and somebody really screwed up. But then again, oh my god! In the SAG After database, there is uh, a listing for Rascal the Stardream of a sister venturing out, getting a dub in the negotiation process. So let us clarify that the original series, Rascal does not dream of a bunny girl senpai, and Rascal does not dream of a dreaming girl were included in this set and don't have English dubs yet, but they have in the SAG After database there is a dub coming for the sequel of both of those things. So if if the TV series is, let's say project number one and the second and the first movie is project number two, they are starting the English dub with project number three first. What the fuck is happening? <gasps> What the fuck happens that led to this? Like, I, I'm happy that it does seem to be happening, but also it does really feel like that a dub is supposed to be happening for Rascal, but they couldn't wait. I think it feels like the dub was not going to be ready in time for the holiday season. And Anaplex USA pushed it out because they had nothing else for the holiday season. Like that's what I'm assuming happened. Because how how does how does this happen? How do you get this? How do we? <laughs> like this uh. this isn't a this isn't. We were we were mad about the Bochi thing. We're gonna talk about another thing in a second. That's a little clearer, but okay now. In regards to this, before we move on, I I would like to uh, propose 
two options for Aniplex to do, because this is just so ridiculously stupid. If there is a dove in production that just needs a little bit more time to get ready, they can do one of two things. They can do the honorable thing and tell everybody that these discs are being recalled and that new discs will be shipped out upon proof of purchase. Or they're going to do the obvious thing and just re-release the whole damn set with the English dub at the same price. Have you considered secret option three? The dub only streams and is never on home video. That's also very possible, and I hate that that's possible. I think that's the most likely scenario at this point. And I think that's incredibly stupid because this set was clearly meant to be. The fact that both of these, like the season one and the movie, were still readily available and in print. Combining the two, the intention of combining the two and releasing them together is so you can advertise and re-release a new English dub. God. This is so. This is a. There must. The yeah. red tape behind the scenes of this must be next fucking level. So, yeah, something crazy had to have happened. There is a story here. There is a saga. This is genuinely like. This level of shit show. None of this was ever supposed to be found out. None of this was ever supposed to make it to public. The fact that this is all public now, and this is actively looking like an almost amateurish like fuck up. There's something going on behind the oh, scenes. This God. is this doesn't happen. This is so, and it's even more like I'm convinced that a dub is in the works, but Anaplex couldn't wait. For it to be done in time for the holiday season, which I think is supported by the fact that that third movie or second movie, you know what I mean? That new Braskill project does have a dub listing in the SAG database. So, hooray, a bunny girl dub is happening, but it's happening in the stupidest sequence of events possible. Well done. <sighs> ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's, it's as funny as it is. Like, 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 uh, we should, like, this doesn't happen. Uh, I, I mean, to be fair, it is only, like, the second most cursed way to find out a demo something exists. The most cursed way is the only way we found out the Dragon Quest Adventure of Die demo existed. Oh, oh, yeah. Do, SAG After says, do not work on this project or you will be excommunicated from SAG. Oh, Ugh. that's 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 you're you know what you're right, Jet. That is in fact that is in fact the number one most cursed way. Yeah. Well, then that leads us into our meager home video offerings for February, starting with uh, some stuff from Crunchyroll. But first, there was something that came out a little bit late. A really fancy collector's edition set for Code Geass. Now, this set has everything, the, the whole show, and I believe the movies, and uh, the new movie, and... Akito the Exile? I think so. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this set. Akito the Exile's there, too. Yeah, okay, so there's that, along with a whole lot of fucking tchotchkes. There's there's quite a lot of tchotchkes here. There's a USB key. There's a chessboard. 
There is a necklace. There is a gigantic box with everything. It's it's a, it's a very fancy and premium set for a show that does not deserve it. This piece of crap costs $550. I know people who still really like Code Geass, but I'm not one of them. I'm probably a hater at this point. But, like, even they were like, holy shit. So, like, credit where it's due. They are going all out for this. This is about as nice and fancy of a limited edition set as you honestly possibly could get. This is a really cool project. I am not paying that much for it. It's $550, and you have zero standard discs available in print anywhere. Oh, 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 God. Oh, so this is now the legal way to get home video releases of Ghost Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, they could put those, those regular... Blu-ray sets back in print again, but why do that when you can sell this thing? I I could actually... Okay, look. I hate that I am becoming the benefit of the doubter for for Crunchyroll between you, Alex. I hate hate what you've done to me. Um, Honestly, once all of these limited edition sets sell out, and they, they will, I could see them just printing the standard versions. Like, that's actually not a bad call. I hope you're right about that because it took until recently for that giant Speed Racer helmet headset to get sold out, and and that was after marking it down to fifty bucks. I, I honestly, I think that was just like lost stock that they were just trying to get rid of. This seems like this is like a this is like a uh, uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes tier like Ugh. big boy set. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I just bought. Uh, Speed Racer on iTunes recently for five bucks because that's just what I do. Like I have Code Geass on DVD. I have it in HD on iTunes. I don't need this freaking gaudy tchotchke bullshit. Look, I don't need it either. But like, this is actually like a really like look for what it is. This is a really nice looking product. It's not for me, and it sure as shit is never gonna be for me. But I kind of respect them going the extra mile for actually like a pretty pretty extravagant collector's edition set of a classic show. I, I would agree, if not for the fact that um, Neon Genesis Evangelion got that gigantic 11-pound box set two years ago, and that was like $275. I'm assuming it just cost... It costs a, I would imagine the thing that's making that expensive is the real jewelry and the hand-carved chess set. It's yeah, unnecessary. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to be again, I also don't want to play benefit of the doubt here, but like to be fair in regards to like that, the Genesis gave us that big cheaper. Uh, that's also technically less than what would be on that good set, like by a pretty considerable margin. It's just so unnecessary for all this extra extra crap that you're never going to use. Uh, 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 I definitely agree with you there. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna hold out for a regular edition of that eventually. If if not, my girlfriend's already got the set, so I'm covered. Okay, well, moving on to their February slate, starting on February 6th, we have Handyman Saito in Another World. That's a decent little isekai, one of the better ones. Yeah. And we have Revenger. 
I think it's funny that that comes with like a master class for Gen Urobuchi, which is like what the what is a master class with Gen Urobuchi? I I kind of need to know what that's like, and it's probably the reason I would consider buying that. Hmm. All right, on February thirteenth, we have Voyage Five of Season Thirteen of One Piece. So it is insane to me that the gap between home videos and like the actual put out distributed dub episodes now is so vast. How times have changed. Yeah. And we have with an LE part two of season one of Spy Family. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for the LE for this one. I will definitely get it. This looks like a pretty cool confidential stuff. I like that it's got the newspaper that he spits the coffee on. There's some nice little tchotchkes here, and I think this... I like the fact that it looks like on the back of the uh, LE kind of looks like a... Uh, what, what is it called? A blacked-out document? You know that thing where it's like a government doc, and it's like all of it's in like black marker highlighting stuff that shouldn't be seen? Uh, redacted? Redacted, yes. It's got a bunch of redacted stuff on the back, and I think that's cool. Hmm. Okay. All right, and on November, on November, on February twenty seventh, we have chilling in my thirties after getting fired from the Demon King's army. <sighs> Sub only question mark. Sub only confirmed because there's an announcement page of their February twenty twenty four releases, and it says the complete season. Sub only Blu ray. Uh, yeah, so the one benefit of the doubt I had about the Bochi the Rock thing being regards to the Aniplex music license, it loses that excuse because Chilling in My 30s is not Aniplex and does not have any music in it, and that's also getting released sub only. So, uh, yeah, we're just getting sub only releases now. I mean, this one hurts significantly less than oh obviously the most i know about this is that the main girl has like big tits and like she goes from being a pseudo milf to an actual milf around the two-thirds mark but like the prospect uh, like i said how i feel about bochi is going to depend on what we get in the coming months and chilling in my 30s being a sub only blu-ray release is already a pretty uh Oh, yeah, we're just going to get more of these now, and they're all going to be standard price, and that sucks. Uh, that fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah, 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 if they were at least cheaper, it would be less painful, but yeah. Uh, the fact that it's terrible. the same price is what makes it extra fucking gross. Isn't it nice that we have, like, Basically, one major anime licensing company here. I have to keep sucking like high dive and like some of the other players off because it's like, man, the co- the the competition that Netflix brings is inspiring confidence in the industry, and that feels weird to say because that was not something I thought I could say a few years ago. At yeah. least we still have Discotech. Discotech isn't putting out any seasonals, and you know it. For what it's worth, I don't, I don't really care that much about new stuff. I just like old stuff getting cleaned up and presented to me in ways I never would have imagined before. Yeah, to which, uh, I mean, it's been missed before, but the, the, the thing that's been particularly depressing about uh, Crunch Roll to release, uh, you know, the last, uh, actually, like, year or two, actually, is, I, is, that, uh, is that, yeah, they have been solely releasing some of the stuff they have been out done, but, uh, there's a lot of pre-merger stuff, pre-merger Cali dubs that are just like 
sitting there that haven't been released yet for whatever reason. Like we still, like we we still don't have a box out of eighty six. Like I'd pay for it. Give it I to literally me. asked because Anime Limited was like, "Hey, ask our CEO, ask Andrew about uh, some questions." I was like, "Okay, are you getting any more Crunchyroll or Netflix stuff available for the North American market? Please do." Please fucking do. We are we have gotten so sidetracked on this show all night long. Yeah. Anyways, that's the Crunchyroll home video slate. We got one more and we're calling it a night. Yeah. We now we move on to Sentai February slate. Starting with on February sixth, a re-release of Tears to Tiara. Oh wow. Oh wow. So this one's actually a bigger deal than I thought. Yeah, this was first released and last released in October of 2010 on two discs as a 26-episode series. Okay, so this is a very net... You know how we were talking about the Rosafon stuff and we're like, that's kind of silly that this is still in print. No, this is a necessary skew new release. Wow. Yeah. All right, that's pretty cool. On February 13th, sub only, thank fucking Christ... My life as Inukai-san's dog. Why is this the one that they're putting out on Valentine's Day? Because someone has said Sentai has a sense of humor. I guess. Anyways, I literally I saw this and I was like, there's one thing in this slate I'm really sad is sub only, but my only solace is at least the dog fucker shows sub only too, I guess. Alright, on February 20th, we have the premium box at long last of Umaru-chan R. It, this one doesn't have her face, but it is, hey, if you want more Umaru-chan and you want a nice box, here you go. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Alright, we also have on the 20th, Kuba Won't Let Me Be Invisible, also sub-only. This one makes me very sad. Please fucking dub Insomniacs after school. God fucking damn it. And finally, on February 27th, I've somehow gotten stronger when I improved my farm-related skills. And the other farm isekai anime is also getting an English dub, too. Sure. Like, here's the thing. I, I hear decent things about farming life in another world. I know one thing about this show. It's that a guy throws a fucking carrot at a bad CGI dragon, and it fucking explodes. That is all I know. Mm. The show kind of looks like ass. And getting a new dub. I. Whatever. Yeah. I can never predict. Yeah, and with that, that is the show. This went way longer than I thought it would. Look, I don't know what I'm next going to do an episode because of my old uh, health and well-being, so I'm glad I got all this out when I could. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some planning to do because of uh, real events that are getting in our way. What else is fucking new? Anyways, thanks for listening, Jets. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for surviving the big uh, Anime NYC event and getting to report about some of it for us, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, that'll, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of Podcast ONA. We hope you'll come back next time. Whenever that might be, in the meantime, go listen to Discotech Supercut, go read Jet stuff on ANN, go listen to Dub Talk, go do all that other stuff. I just put out a Black Lagoon episode that I'm very proud of. Check that out. 
fantastic. So until then, do all that and then come back for our next episode whenever it's going to be. We'll let you know ahead of time, okay? Okay. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Good night. Good night. Hey, everybody. I want to put this in at the very end, let you all know uh, a couple things about the show. Number one, sorry for it being late. It's been a crazy weekend for various reasons. Uh, I want to let you all know that we don't have a planned next episode set uh, due to some personal issues that I'm not going to disclose. Mainly just all of us being tired and busy. It's just one of those things that we all have to um, just, just sort of to push through so uh i can't guarantee we'll be back in two weeks but we'll be back when we're back and also one other thing that made the show uh be up later than i would have hoped it to have been is that uh something happened on saturday that uh nobody could have expected it was a return of grand magnitude What a fucking way to end Survivor Series, huh?